I don't do the most, but I do a lot I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive No big, I feel like Pac I shoot a shot I'm coming in hot Coming in hot, it's 11.43 a.m. It is Saturday, February 27th, 2021. Coming at you guys from San Diego, California. BK here, of course, yet again. One man, one microphone, jacked tan, the steel trap mine on full display. Let's go ahead and get right into our news. And let's start with the United States airstrikes in Syria. And that's right, on Thursday, the United States did carry out airstrikes in eastern Syria against buildings belonging to what the Pentagon said were Iran-backed militias responsible for recent attacks against American and allied personnel in Iraq. So President Sleepy Joe Biden did authorize the strikes in response to the rocketing in Iraq and to continuing threats to American and coalition personnel there. That's according to John Kirby, the Pentagon press secretary. And remember, this comes on the heels of that rocket attack on February 15th on the airport in Erbil in northern Iraq, which killed a Filipino contractor with the American-led military coalition and wounded six others, including a Louisiana National Guard soldier and four American contractors. As for these latest strikes themselves, American officials said the strikes were relatively small, Uh, Seven 500-pound bombs dropped on a small cluster of buildings at an unofficial crossing at the Syria-Iraq border used to smuggle across weapons and fighters. And the strikes were purposely done just over the border in Syria to avoid diplomatic blowback to the Iraqi government. Apparently, the Pentagon did offer up a larger group of targets, but Biden approved a less aggressive option. And according to Kirby... The American military strikes on Thursday specifically destroyed multiple facilities located at that border control point. Um, It was meant, again, according to John Kirby, to punish the perpetrators of the rocket attack, but not to escalate hostilities with Iran. Now, that attack on the Erbil airport was claimed by a little-known group called Aulia al-Dam, or Guardian of the Blood Brigades. That same group had also claimed responsibility for two bombings against U.S. contractor convoys in August. Now, little is known about this group, including whether it's backed by Iran at all or related to the organizations that used those facilities that these latest American airstrikes targeted. Some American officials say that this group is just a front for one of the better-known Shia militias. And Biden had discussed these rocket attacks in a phone call on Tuesday with Prime Minister Mustafa al-Kadimi of Iraq. And apparently it was done with the Prime Minister kind of uh, given the blessing on this. The strikes took place about 6 p.m. Thursday in Washington or 2 a.m. Friday in eastern Syria. 
They'd been in the works for several days as American intelligence agencies worked to establish confidence that the two Iraq militia were responsible for the rocket attacks. Now, American officials said the attack killed what they call a handful of militia. But the Pentagon did not provide any detailed assessment of the damage, according to the New York Times. Meanwhile, a news outlet over there, which is affiliated with Iranian-backed militias in Iraq, it's called the Saberan News Telegram Channel, they reported one dead and several injured. Uh, Anything else about here? And, yeah, again, this was all back to that rocket attack in Erbil. Remember, the United States military has drawn down the number of its troops to Iraq to under 2,500 and has pulled out of several bases there over the past two years because they say, the, the U.S. military, that is, Iraq no longer needs the help it did in the past to fight the Islamic State. Um, so I'm just scrolling through. I got a couple different tabs open here about this you know, rocket attack and everything else. And they did quote a spokesperson from that Iran-backed militia group that I've mentioned a few times on previous podcasts, Kataib Hezbollah. And a official from them said that one of their group's fighters had been killed in the airstrikes. They did went on to describe that dead fighter as a member of Iraq's popular mobilization forces. You guys recall that term. That's the collection of paramilitaries that does include Kataib Hezbollah and is officially part of Iraqi government security forces. Now, Iranian state television and the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which is a conflict monitor based out of the UK, reported that 17 fighters had been killed in the airstrikes. And also, just uh, if you want to look on a map, the actual nearest town where these located is called Abu Kamal. And again, just across the border from Iraq uh, in Syria. They say militiamen fled from six of the seven buildings hit in the strikes after spotting what they believe to be an American surveillance aircraft. <laughs> yeah, I bet. How would you like to be one of these guys and you just hear this like whirring noise and you look up? And you see fucking one of our drones just circling around. Yeah, you're like, dude, time time to get out of Dodge. And even then, like, what good is it? I mean, we, go ahead and run. You know, as the old saying goes, you're just going to die tired. That's all. But, um, yeah, meanwhile, Iraq had to provide cover for their, their own whack jobs in their military. They had to, uh, their, their interior and defense ministries, issued statements denying that they had provided any intelligence for the attack at all. Yeah, they are like, oh, we didn't do it. This is all America. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Back to it. Back to, back to lobbing rockets over in the Middle East. And uh, if I've learned one thing over the last 20 years of American foreign policy, it's that uh, airstrikes never, never lead to a bigger United States footprint or a more entrenched U.S. foreign policy in a foreign country. That's for sure. If you can't tell, I'm being heavily sarcastic. So that's uh, the latest on the airstrikes. And let's keep going around the world. And let's go to Afghanistan here. This interesting case. 
The government of Afghanistan has filed a petition in federal court, our federal court, supporting the return of a citizen who has been held for a third of his life at Guantanamo Bay and now argues that, based on a series of peace agreements in his fractious country, his war is over. This was a 24-page brief submitted by Afghanistan's foreign ministry in the case of a guy named Asadullah Harun Ghul. And it's notable because it's believed to be the first time a foreign government has stepped into a habeas corpus case in two decades of detention challenges in federal court by these wartime prisoners held at the United States military base in Cuba. So uh, if you if you think, well, there's been other people that has gone back, but you have to remember earlier repatriations of the inmates at Guantanamo were the result of diplomacy and not like litigation. This is like a, uh, a basically a, a law, if not a lawsuit, lawsuit adjacent. Now, the American military says that this guy, Harun, who is about 40 years old, they don't know exactly, is a former commander of an Islamic militia that attacked coalition forces in Afghanistan and was a go-between for Al-Qaeda. He was captured in 2007. He is one of 40 prisoners remaining at Guantanamo Bay. 12 of those 40 have been charged with crimes. However, Harun is not one of them. But they do periodic reviews of his case by this national security panel, and they have deemed him too great a threat to the United States to be released. Uh, So the judge of the U.S. District Court for the D.C. area accepted this filing on February 5th after the Justice Department did not object to its submission. And again, this government filing by Afghanistan... Uh, says that uh, Haroon's, quote, continued detention is detrimental to relations between Afghanistan and the United States, end quote. Okay, well then fucking just send him. <laughs> I don't even need to hear anything else. I'd be like, okay, great. Here, take him away. As a matter of fact, just as a bonus, I'm going to give you Haroon and I'm going to give you the other 39 guys too. And then you can do whatever you want with them. I don't really care. Just get rid of them. Of course, the United States did reach an agreement with Taliban representatives in Doha, Qatar, last February that required the government of President Ashraf Ghani, Afghanistan president, to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, which they did. Although the Ghani government and the Taliban have yet to reach a settlement. And former Guantanamo prisoners who had never renounced their allegations to the Taliban were among the negotiators of that agreement, if you can believe it. And uh, there's a, it's a pretty fascinating stuff that, you know, Al-Qaeda is still considered a threat to the United States. And Haroon himself is considered a member of the Islamic Party. And the Afghan peti- petition says that this Haroon guy is a cause of considerable concern to both the government and to the people thanks to a campaign by his lawyer to raise his profile in Kabul since taking his case in 2016. Until 2016, he didn't have a lawyer. And uh, basically, they're blaming the pan- now they're blaming the coronavirus pandemic, saying, oh, Haroon needs to get back to his family because of this horrible pandemic. He was born, Haroon was, to an Afghan family 
that fled the violence of the Civil War to a refugee camp in Pakistan where they remain. And uh, he's not a dumb guy. He studied economics at a college in Peshawar and has gained fluency in five languages, including English, which he learned from his American captors. So, yeah, I'm all about repatriating all of them. Just get rid of them. I'm sick of hearing about it. And as you guys know, if you've been listening to the podcast, we still haven't started the trial of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. And it's only been 20 freaking years. So... There was also another great story. Speaking of Afghanistan, if you want to go read it, I'm not. It's not really news per se, but a really good article here. If you want to Google the following headline, Google quote: "I wake up and scream." Secret Taliban prisons terrorize thousands. End quote. And uh, it's all about these loose network of prisons that the Taliban have, and. Uh, this is like, you know, just a, not something that's discussed about Afghanistan most of the time. And this is where they send basically just random people that they stop on the freeways and, and roads in Afghanistan. Basically, the Taliban is looking for soldiers or people they think are soldiers and government workers. And what they do is they lock up these people in these hidden makeshift prisons and they're moved around all the time, um, and they, they, they're basically held without any trial, as you would expect, uh, tortured, and everything else. It's uh, pretty crazy. Sometimes the Afghan special forces do periodic raids on some of these, and they say, the special forces, uh, that they recently freed more than 40 detainees from a Taliban prison in Baglan province. And just this week, 23 more were freed in Kunduz province after being, quote, extensively tortured, end quote, by the Taliban. And that's according to the Afghan uh, Ministry of Defense. And it's, uh, it's wild. They have very uh, good detail in here, including one guy who spent 30 days locked up in a two-room house with 20 other people sleeping on a dirty carpet. A single light bulb was in the room just on the suspicion that he was a member of the Afghan military, and this guy turned out to be not one at all. So uh, go check out that if you want. Let's go over to Ethiopia. And uh, I've been sporadically covering what's going on in Ethiopia. That's that kind of civil war they have in the Tigray region. And now... According to an internal U.S. government report obtained by the New York Times, they do believe that Ethiopian officials and allied militia fighters are leading a systematic campaign of ethnic cleansing. Remember, the Tigray region is that war-torn area in northern Ethiopia. This report was written earlier this month, and it documents in pretty graphic terms just an area of looted houses, and deserted villages where tens of thousands of people are unaccounted for. And they do believe that fighters and officials from the neighboring Amhara region of Ethiopia, who went into this Tigray region in support of Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, are, quote, deliberately and efficiently rendering Western Tigray ethnically homogenous through the organized use of force and intimidation 
whole villages were severely damaged or completely erased, end quote. In a second report published just yesterday, Friday, Amnesty International said that soldiers from Eritrea had systematically killed hundreds of Tigrayan citizens over a 10-day period in November, just shooting some of them in the streets. And remember, the irony here is that the prime minister, that guy, Abi Ahmed, remember, he won a Nobel Peace Prize in 2019. <laughs> uh, Jesus, what a mess. And so far... Joe Biden and other American officials have been reluctant to openly criticize Abi's conduct of the war, while, in contrast, European leaders and UN officials worried about these reports of, uh, reports of these widespread atrocities have been increasingly outspoken. Uh, as a matter of fact, on Tuesday, a European Union envoy, which was Finland's foreign ministers, uh told reporters the situation in Tigray was very out of control after reporting uh, returning from a fact-finding trip to Ethiopia and Sudan. And because of that, they have suspended $110 million in aid to Ethiopia. And in addition, EU's foreign policy chief warned of possible war crimes in the area. Meanwhile, Ethiopia routinely dismisses critics of their campaign. And uh, they say, uh, look, we have to uh, have a commitment to enabling a stable and peaceful region. And I guess their idea of accomplishing that is just to pretty much wipe out everyone. Remember, Abi launched this campaign back on November 4th, and it followed months of tension with that regional ruling party, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, which had ruled Ethiopia for almost three decades until Mr. Abi came to power in uh, 2018. And they say, actually, most of the worst abuses here are not really because of the Ethiopian military or that uh, Tigray People's Liberation Front. It's mostly being blamed on these irregular militias that have kind of rallied behind Abi Ahmed's military campaign and including these fighters apparently from Eritrea, and these are Eritrean soldiers, they had quietly kind of gone into Tigray to assist Abi's forces there. So yeah, now, they're, uh, now, it's the, now it's these Eritrean fighters and other militias who face the most serious accusations, including rape, plunder, and massacres. Well, there you go. Ethiopia, just a fucking clusterfuck all the way around. What else? Let us go to um, Africa. Let's stay in Africa. And let's talk about the latest kidnappings. Gunmen did abduct 317 girls from a boarding school in northern Nigeria on Friday. Again, just the latest in a long series of mass kidnappings of students in the northern part of that country. So they're quickly mobilizing these joint operations to rescue these students. This was an attack at the Girls Science Secondary School uh, in something called Jengebe Town. Uh, yeah, and one 
resident said the gunman also attacked a nearby military camp and checkpoint, preventing soldiers from interfering while the gunman spent several hours at the school. Several large groups of armed men operate in this state. Again, these are described by the government as bandits. They're known to kidnap for money. It's not, this is different from the fucking Shabab who does it like for, you know, their crazy uh, radical Islamist ideology. These dudes are just about getting paid. So just straight bandits. And Nigeria, of course, has seen a lot of these attacks. Remember, the back in April 2014 was that big abduction by Boko Haram of 276 girls from the secondary school in Borno State. That was the hashtag bring back our girls, remember made famous by Michelle Obama. You know, more than 100 of those girls are still missing. They did get some of them back, but not all of them. And Friday's attack, this latest one, came less than two weeks after gunmen abducted 42 people, including 27 students from the government science college Kagara in Niger State. And the students, teachers, and family members from that are still being held. And then last December, 344 students were abducted from the government science secondary school in Katsina State. And they were eventually released. So pretty tough being a school girl in Nigeria about this town. And then meanwhile, staying in, in the African continent, nine soldiers were killed in an attack near the central Malian town of Bandiagara. And this is an area where these armed groups are rampant. And this was a, an attack on a police post that took place on Thursday night. So in addition to the nine soldiers being killed, they also had nine wounded, five of them seriously. A local official there said there was a big firefight out there with a big number of these armed fighters. Mali has been at the center of one of these huge conflicts that's been going on for years. It began as a separatist movement in the north, but it kind of just devolved into a fucking free-for-all where you have this multitude of armed groups jockeying for control. And all of this is kind of spread all the way around to the Sahel region into Burkina Faso and Niger, just that whole area. As a matter of fact, it's getting worse Attacks grew five-fold between 2016 and 2020. And get this, in the three countries last year that I just mentioned, Burkina Faso, Niger, and um, Mali, they had uh, 4,000 people killed. And that's up from only, only 770 in 2016. So, not great over in the region there. I'll have more on Africa a little bit later. Let's go to some good old-fashioned prison breaks and prison violence. You guys, I love prison violence stories. We've got a few of them here. Let's start in Haiti. At least seven prisoners and a police officer were killed and another person injured this week after several inmates, including one of Haiti's most powerful gang leaders, escaped from a prison in the capital of Port-au-Prince. And uh, a spokesman for the cops did say that about 40 prisoners were apprehended after this riot, after the Croix de Bouquet civil prison in North Port-au-Prince. 
Now, this gang leader is a guy named Arnell Joseph, and before his arrest, he was the most wanted gang member in Haiti. Apparently, he got away. But Haiti's prime minister, somebody named Joseph Juthé, said that authorities have retaken control of the prison, and that same prison was also the site of a major prison break in 2014, during which more than 300 inmates escaped. <laughs> oh, man, Haiti. Boy. You know, it's it's funny. Like, Africa, like, like the fucking, like, Burkina Faso looks at Haiti and is like, you know what, at least we're not you guys, <laughs> honestly. Damn. Uh, residents in the area told the Associated Press that they had observed a group of heavily armed men shoot at prison guards before the inmates began to flee. Yeah, there's one. And then for our second prison rioting story, let's go to Ecuador. And more than 60 inmates were killed this week in the worst prison riots in Ecuadorian history as rival gangs battled for control of the country's growing drug trade. So this violence broke out in a series of coordinated mutinies this week in three large prisons across the country. So this was scattered. This was in three different ones, not all in the same one. So it took all day before the authorities regained control. And some of the video was pretty crazy. I saw some of it on social media before it was deleted. But videos recorded by inmates and shared on social media showed beheaded corpses and mutilated arms and legs and pretty much shocked the entire nation. Uh, They say it really made clear just how far Ecuador has fallen into the violent spiral of organized drug crime because Ecuador, unlike a lot of other areas in Latin America, was... Uh, kind of seen as escaping, you know, like the Mexican-style cartel massacres and stuff like that. It wasn't like that in Ecuador. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of guys who regularly visit Ecuador, and it's uh, it, it was seen at, at fairly safe. Indeed, the guy who once headed Ecuador's prison system, someone named Ricardo Camacho, said, quote, this sort of thing was unthinkable in our country, end quote. So they're saying these attacks were part of a feud between rival drug gangs. And some of the feud happened starting back in December when the leader of a prominent local gang called Los Choneros was assassinated in a shopping mall in the port city of Manta. And then Tuesday, the battle moved into these prisoners as Los Choneros members retaliated for their leader's death, and that's according to the head of Ecuador's prison system. Unfortunately, many of the victims were not tied to any organized crime, but simply got caught up in the battle. Uh, Now, Ecuador itself does not grow large quantities of coca leaf, but it is flanked by the world's two largest producers of the coca leaf, which would be, I know you know one of them, Colombia. You know what the other one is? A little surprising. Peru, actually. Did not know that. Well, these Colombian cocaine traffickers and the guerrilla fighters have long used Ecuador's territory for operations and in recent years began diverting a growing share of exports to neighboring countries as the Colombian authorities have stepped up controls at ports and airports. So this has led to Ecuador's prisons 
becoming way overcrowded and increasingly violent as all these drug gang members just kind of establish control from the inside. And uh, it's happened before. Last December, five inmates died in a prison brawl among members of a local drug gang. And then in 2019, two dozen Ecuadorian inmates died in a series of mutinies, including two victims that were burned alive. So try not to uh, get into prison in Ecuador. All right, what else? Let's go to, well, let's go to lighten the mood here a little bit. Let's go to Florida. <laughs> the headline alone, you guys. Here's the headline, you ready? Doctor's wrinkled hand on private part tipped off girl that he wasn't 18. All right, very. that's a good headline. I'm into it already. Here's what happened. This is an area physician. This is, a, this is the, what kills me, these highly educated guys who get caught up in this. This is a doctor, and his name is Stuart Bittman, a medical doctor, and he is now facing charges of online solicitation after he was turned in by a 13-year-old girl who realized that, yes, his wrinkled old man hand hanging onto his junk in a Snapchat photo was, in fact, not that of a 17-year-old. <laughs> so they have some good detail in here. The victim's mother reported that a 13-year-old daughter was using her Snapchat when she received a friend request. He kept messaging her, claiming to be a 17-year-old boy. Between April 3rd and April 10th of last year, he sent her numerous pictures of a male's penis. Then she also received a picture of his face. Clearly wasn't his face. The victim initially also told her mother the suspect sent her a video of himself masturbating. Well, she took several screenshots of their communications, including three of the penis. So the chat data showed that this guy kept saying, no, no, I'm a 17-year-old boy. Well, the victim confronted him about his age because his hand in one of his pictures grabbing his dick was wrinkled. He then changed his story to say, oh, I'm actually 49. He sent a voice message to her as well. He asked her if she wanted to see him ejaculate. No. no. Guys, just a tip. Anytime the word ejaculate is used in a news story, it's almost always going to be gold. And feel free to send me those stories at any time. So, uh, oh, he went on after asking... If she wanted to see him ejaculate, he went on to also ask her if she would, quote, suck him, end quote. She said, probably not. Probably? Uh, the victim then ended up calling him pedophile and uh, said she was reporting him. So then they get a hold of this guy and they find out that his Snapchat account showed that he had been communicating with hundreds of minors between 12 and 14 years old and repeatedly referred to himself as 17-year-old Matt. That was his name that he used. Did they give his age? I mean, I, I see his... They don't give his actual age. He's far older than 49. I mean, I'm looking at his mugshot. 
Uh, he looks to be at least 65 years old. He's got a white mustache and white hair, and he looks very old. So, I mean, probably closer to 70. <laughs> I don't know how much many, how many more of these stories I got to do for you kids. I just don't know. How many stories do you need from me before you stop accepting friend requests and penis pictures from 17-year-olds? with the wrinkled old man hands. I don't know. Just saying. Probably should stop. Okay, let's keep going around here. Uh, let's go to Greece. An Afghan woman is facing arson charges after trying to burn herself to death at a migrants camp on the Greek island of Lesbos this week. The charges are the latest in a series of punishments directed at refugees and asylum seekers on the island and reflects the Greek government's new hard line on migrants. So this genius is a 27-year-old woman. Oh, and by the way, she's eight months pregnant. She lived at a temporary camp with her husband and three children. See, this is what I don't get, okay? If, if things are that bad for you and you're a refugee... Maybe stop fucking having kids. I don't know. Can't your dude pull out? Have you heard of condoms? I, I mean, I know that we, we it's 2021 now. Don't tell me that an Afghan woman who's 27 years old doesn't know what a condom is. Come on. I mean, you have three kids already. That's bad enough. But you went ahead and banged more and got pregnant even as you're trying to become a... I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh. It's just, that's, I'm just saying, you guys, a little personal responsibility here. So anyway, this 27-year-old woman who's unnamed, she set her tent on fire after being told that her family's planned relocation to Germany was being postponed. And they said that because she is was eight months pregnant. She was in an advanced stage of pregnancy. So she sat inside her burning tent in an attempt to kill herself. She ended up being hospitalized with non-life-threatening burns after neighbors dragged her out of the tent. So thousands of people are living in these conditions at Greeks' camp for refugees. And although the number of migrants crossing the Aegean Sea by boat from Turkey to the Greek islands has dropped sharply this year, the camps do remain crowded. This woman had arrived in Greece in 2019. She'd been living on the island for more than a year. So they said, yeah, you know what? Our, this treatment may appear harsh, but uh, her actions cannot go unpunished because instances of arson are frequent. And remember, this comes after a series of fires did destroy a different refugee camp last September. Six Afghan migrants were charged with arson in connection with that fire. They are still uh, awaiting trial. Uh, it just seems to me that maybe you should just you know, maybe it's not worth it for all this, and maybe you should just unfuck your own country for a while. I don't know. Stay there. I don't know. Make it work. I don't know. Luckily, the number of these asylum seekers is dropping. Uh, now, speaking of asylum seekers, big air quotes here, let's do some immigration stuff and talk about the U.S. border. Of course, as we've been documented uh, Joe Biden is busy dismantling pretty much everything that made uh, immigration illegal immigration a deterrent to the United States where it had dropped sharply. Well, now it's climbing again because fucking guess what? Word gets out to the illegal immigrants that Dementia Joe has a soft touch and he's just 
basically wants to let anyone in, no questions asked. So fucking guess what? They show up in droves. I know, weird. Well, basically now, it's kind of like chaotic at the border. And this includes Biden, who wants to undo those migrant protection protocols, or MPP. That was when Trump said, basically, you have to wait in Mexico while your asylum claim is processed. Well, Biden is like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And before Trump put that policy into place, families who sought asylum were typically detained for a short period in the United States before they were released into the U.S. to await adjudication of their cases. Of course, as I've documented throughout the years, a good many of them do not show up. So now Biden has vowed to kind of undo all this stuff. So he wants to start letting them in and get rid of the MPP protocols. But at the same time, he is keeping the COVID-19 rule in place that has empowered agents to rapidly turn around migrants who are, for example, from Honduras. His administration has said that a cautious approach is, need, uh, approach is needed to navigate the interlocking restrictions left by Trump and to avoid encouraging additional migration of Central American families. Well, I, I again, if you if they've done many interviews with all these migrants who are basically saying like, no, no, uh, Joe Biden has said uh, that I should come and uh, I can get in. So maybe the message isn't getting out. So now. Uh, they are letting the migrants into the U.S. So, I'm just looking here. Yesterday, Friday, 25 asylum seekers. I love how that's the new term, asylum seeker. Like, you know, not every illegal immigrant is an asylum seeker, but that's like the term now the media will use for it because that's supposed to be a shield. Like, who could criticize an asylum seeker? Nobody, right? This is all by design. Language... In the media that they choose to use, it's all by design. It's all designed to put up a shield that you so you don't uh, criticize anything they do. That's why you see the switch from illegal alien to asylum seeker. That's why you see the switch from vagrant to uh, experiencing homelessness or temporarily unhoused. Stuff like that. It's the oldest trick in the book. Of course, I'm the only one gauche enough to not care about these media shields and criticize them anyway. Anything else out here? Uh, I've got a few stories on immigration here. Now, that rule I talked about, the COVID-19 emergency rule where you can turn back uh, migrants, that has allowed border officials to turn away more than 400,000 migrants at the border since it was put in place last March. So... Uh, Probably a good rule in the pandemic, I'm just saying. 400,000, that is a huge number. But now they're letting them in. And that's not the only problem. We also have the now thousands of migrant children detained. Again, in resumption of Trump-era policies, writes the New York Times. It was actually, we've had this policy forever. Obama did this and George W. Bush did this. And of course, this is the kids in cages, right? But yeah, the word got out. So now, once again, we have thousands of unaccompanied migrant children. That's the word, to you, the phrase you New York Times uses. 
have been making their way to the southwestern border. Again, because, like it or not, mistaken or not, that's the message that the Biden administration has been putting out. So most of these children who are arriving from Central America by the hundreds each day are being placed under COVID-19 quarantine for 10 days and then shuttled to shelters around the country. And this is prompting complaints. See, the thing is that like the these activists like Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez, the stupid media never asks them because all they do is scream about how these kids are being detained. And nobody in the media says, well, what the fuck would you do? Because she doesn't have an answer for that. What she wants to say is she doesn't think they should be detained in any way. She thinks that if a crowd of 100 kids shows up at the border, they should be allowed to just go on about their way. And no questions asked. As a matter of fact, I'm sure she would go farther than that and say, well, we should give them great medical care, uh, vaccinate all of them, give them uh, you know, uh, a couple thousand bucks cash each, take them to the nearest family, fly them first class to wherever they want to go. She would go on like that. She doesn't think they should be allowed to be stopped or processed in any way. Of course, are these kids being sex trafficked? Are they actually minors? That's why they're being detained, because the U.S. government is not in the business of just letting hundreds of thousands of people show up at the border and go on about their way. I know, but that's literally what the open borders activists would have us do. And that's why the media doesn't ask them. They're like, well, what would you do? They don't want to know. In the last week, the border patrol has intercepted more than 2000 young people traveling without adults, most of them in their teens, but some as young as six And there is widespread concern now that their numbers in coming months could break the record set in May 2019 when 11,000 underage migrants were encountered by the Border Patrol. And that's when Trump started getting into this harsh uh, treatment. But that's the thing. This is the ugly thing. The harsh message works. If you make it clear you're not welcome, we're telling you not to come. And if you do come and spend all this money giving it to the drug cartels, because as I've gone over, nobody gets to the U.S. border without paying the drug cartel a chunk. Nobody. I've heard it from multiple Border Patrol agents and multiple Department of Homeland Security people, all my great listeners who tell me nobody travels to the U.S. border through Mexico without the cartels getting a piece of it. End of story. And that's what, if you, if, you, if you do all this, if you send that message like you're not welcome and it's a waste of your money and we're just going to send you home anyway, then they're going to decide, you know what, that's probably not worth it. On the other hand, if you're like, if you hear stories that, hey, Sleepy Joe is pretty much letting everybody in, then of course you're going to come. So, uh, yeah, so now they don't know what to do with all these kids. And... The Biden administration has outrightedly decided not to refuse entry to minors. So, shockingly, they're showing up more. I know, crazy, huh? And now they are crowding these border processing facilities. So they got to put them somewhere. And last week, the Biden administration did reopen a temporary shelter in Carrizo Springs, Texas, to house up to 700 migrant teenagers. The shelter which faced a barrage of criticism, was closed in July 2019 after the number of children arriving at the border sharply declined. So you guys catch that? So in May 2019 was the all-time record. That's when the Trump administration stepped in and started doing something about it. And then in July 2019, the number of children fucking stopped or sharply dropped. See? 
The message, it's all about the message you send. And they, you know, and the people who run these facilities, you know, I know their heart's in the right place. And you heard some of them testifying like, hey, you know what? Nothing's ever changed when we have these kids. These kids are fed. These kids are given medical care. You know, they're educated. You know, they, they act like they're like in some concentration camp, which was always absurd. It was absurd under Obama. It was absurd under Bush. It was absurd under Trump. These facilities are not concentration camps. They're trying to do the best they can with a massive influx of, you know, foreign nationals. Uh, oh, here we go. Critics of the administration's policies, policies say most of the children arrive with the address and phone number of a relative in the U.S. and should be allowed to promptly join their families. Okay, well, you don't know that. You don't know if it's their relative. Yeah. So, um, yes, these latest arrivals are fueled in part by deteriorating conditions in Central America. Oh, and here we go. The New York Times even says it out loud. Get this sentence. And perceptions by migrants that they will receive a friendlier reception from Mr. Biden. See? There you go. Oh, I hate being right all the time. They actually asked a hapless uh, spokeshole, Jen Saki, about this, and they said, hey, uh, you just opened this new migrant detention center for children. Is this uh, kids in cages? Let's listen to this. There have been horrifying scenes at the border of kids being kept in cages, and Kamala Harris said... Uh, basically, babies in cages is a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government. So how is this any different than that? We very much feel that way. Uh, and so the, these are facilities. Let me, be, let me be clear here. One, there's a pandemic going on. I'm sure you're not suggesting that we have children right next to each other uh, in ways that are not COVID safe, are you? I'm suggesting that Kamala Harris... <laughs> Go get out of here. <laughs> This facility, putting people in this facility, was a human rights abuse committed by the United States government. And Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes of border uh, at the border of kids being kept in cages. Now, it's not under Trump, it's under Biden. This is not kids being kept in cages. This is, this is kids, this is a facility that was opened that's going to follow the same standards as other HHS facilities. It is not a replication, certainly not. The, that's... That is never our intention of replicating the immigration policies of the past administration. But we are in a circumstance where we are not going to expel unaccompanied minors at the border. Why that not? That would be inhumane. Okay. That is not what we are going to do here as an administration. Okay, let me we stop right there. First of all, okay, so if you don't do it, then it's just going to keep coming. I've gone over this a hundred times. It's human nature. If there's no consequences, it'll just keep happening. And second of all, these are the, again, it's the same facility that was open under Trump. It's literally the exact same facility. But that facility was called by AOC and many other morons a concentration camp. It's the same facility. That's funny. And then uh, I have another clip here. Here's Jen Psaki basically blaming Donald Trump for the border crisis going on right now. Let's uh, listen to this. Former President Trump is going to be talking about President Biden's immigration policies. He will point to the uptick in migrants coming to the U.S. How is the administration planning to respond? Well, we're not looking to former President Trump uh, or any of his advisors as a model for how we're approaching immigration. In fact, uh, we're in the circumstance we're in because uh, not only was their approach inhumane, it was ineffective. And so we're going to follow our own path forward. False. Uh, we'll see what he says, but our focus is certainly not what on President Trump. Okay, did you hear that? Guys, I just gave you the stat. 
what was it? May of 2019, all-time high of immigrant children. Trump puts in these fucking big, meanie face protocols, and then it promptly uh, drops to one of the lowest ever. So to say it was not effective is a complete horseshit lie. If you... If I at least have respect for the people who are like, yes, I don't believe in borders, because that's an honest argument. I don't have respect for the people who are like, well, no, of course I believe in borders. I just think everybody should be let in and nobody should be deported. <laughs> I'm like, what? Dummy, what do you call that? Uh, anything else on immigration? Oh, just a few quick hits here. Uh, as far as legal immigration... Biden has reopened the country to people seeking green cards. He ended a ban on legal immigration that Trump imposed last spring when he cited the need to protect American jobs during the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, more green cards and, uh, yeah, the immigration uh, steamroller will continue. That was in April. Trump had ordered a pause in the issuance of green cards. That is one of the primary ways that foreigners can receive permission to live and work in the U.S. And at the time, he described his action as a way to protect Americans, millions of whom lost their jobs as the threat of the coronavirus shut down the economy. Um, yeah, I mean, how, who can argue with that? As millions of Americans are losing their jobs, why would you then add millions of new people? Uh, doesn't that just intuitively make sense? So Biden uh, revoked that, and now uh, foreigners trying to move to the U.S. can now seek to become lawful permanent residents. That is what is known as receiving a green card. Uh, okay, and then finally, as far as immigration, you guys remember how Biden wanted to uh, do that 100-day deportation pause of basically everyone except like the most heinous murderers? Well, a federal judge has now indefinitely banned Joe Biden's administration from enforcing that 100-day moratorium on most deportations. And U.S. District Judge Drew Tipton did issue a preliminary injunction sought by the state of Texas, which argued that the moratorium violated federal law and risked imposing additional costs on the state. And so they said, uh, yeah. You can't do that because Joe Biden himself can't do that because it's a law. Okay. If he wanted to do that, he'd have to get Congress to pass a law saying that, which he hasn't been able to do and he'll never be able to do that. So now he still has discretion on how much he wants to deport people. That's for sure. But you can't just do a sweeping policy like this. So. That's good. It's not clear if the Biden administration will appeal this latest ruling. Again, they have pretty a lot of discretion, so they'll probably just do what they want on the deal. All right, guys, let's talk about some military stories. And, oh, just quickly, uh, I had, forgot I had this tab. Uh, just really quick on the, the last thing about immigration. By the way, my state of California is now going to spend $28 million to help arriving what ABC News calls asylum seekers. Thanks. Yep, Californians unemployed, can't find work. But California has plenty of money to give to immigrants arriving from Mexico and being released to the U.S. until their court dates. It's going to pay for hotel rooms for immigrants to quarantine before going to their final destination throughout the U.S. In other words, here's the welcome mat. 
Okay, uh, let's do those military stories here. Let's start with the Army. And yes, the Army, you guys, when they're not, uh, they, they, it's kind of passe, I guess, to worry about closing with and destroying the enemy. No, the Army is finding different things to do these days. The Army has issued new regulations that allow women to wear lipstick and no longer limits their hair to a tight bun. Oh, thank God. Thank God. The latest update to the Army's uniform and grooming regulations takes effect on Friday yesterday. And it does offer revisions that give the 127,000 women serving in the Army and National Guard a chance to let their hair down. They will also be allowed to have buzz cuts. I didn't know they weren't allowed to have those before. And then you can uh, have a ponytail and other stuff like that. And they say this is because a bun, which was normally what you had to have, you had to have your hair pulled back in a bun, could interfere with your helmet. So these new regulations are part of the new standards that stipulate everything from who can wear capes. Yes, they do have capes, officers only, by the way, to whether soldiers can stand with their hands in their pockets. Still no, still no hands in the pockets. Yep. Oh, and you can also have highlights in your hair. And again, you can wear conservative shades of lipstick. The share of women in the military has grown steadily since World War II. And uh, since the 1970s, the number of women in the Army has grown from about 2% to about 15% of the force. So, yeah, there you go. What a, you know, we should have just had them had the same hair cuts as the men, right? That would be gender neutral uh as far as the vaccine and i'll have more in the coronavirus in a little bit but about one third of military personnel have declined to take the vaccine so they're not making it mandatory now and yeah they get to decide whether or not they want to do it and uh they're basically saying you know what we're young and healthy, and we're declining to get the shot there's a array of uh political and health related concerns but this kind of is the reflection of the broader society, right? And the problem with vaccinating people. A lot of people, and nobody wants to say this for some reason, a lot of people don't want to get the vaccine. I've told you guys before, I've gotten the vaccine. I've gotten both the first and second shot. I didn't have any symptoms. I do encourage vaccination, but that's just me personally. I, If you're 25 and you're an athlete, there's probably no reason to get vaccinated if you don't want to. Because the chances of you getting seriously ill from coronavirus are like one in a bazillion. But, uh, yeah, they do have a choice as of now. And this includes, by the way, some noble reasons, including, well, I think I don't shouldn't get a vaccine because there's plenty of old people who probably need it way more than I do, and that is a noble reason. So, did they say anything about this, about making it mandatory. Oh, here we go. The vaccine, unlike many other vaccines, is not required by the military at this time because it has been approved for emergency use by the Food and Drug Administration. Once it becomes a standard use, not just emergency use, then the military can order troops to take the shot. So that brings us to this. Guys, I kind of hit on this a little bit, and I had fun on Twitter with this this week. I talked about it a little bit last week. You remember 
last week when I spoke about the military is now considering doing doing away with gender gender neutral uh, PT standards, and I didn't have time to get into it, but basically this all comes because the Army has this new Army Combat Fitness Test, right? The ACFT. And the big fucking sticking point for people is one of the events in the ACFT. It's called the leg tuck. And I've talked about it before. And this is the one that's kicking the female's ass. Something like 90% of chicks failed this when they first rolled it out. Indeed, an initial ACFT fail rate was 54% among women. And so that made all the fucking activist groups say, well, this is going to affect women badly. And guys, I want you to remember this because fucking once again, I was right all along. Do you guys remember when they started talking about bringing women into combat units and all that? And all you fucking dummies and all the woke vets on Twitter and Instagram said, oh, well, this I don't have a problem with this as long as they meet the standard. And remember at the time, guess who was the fucking one guy holding his hand up in the air saying, dummy, do you not get that once women don't meet the standard, they're going to get rid of the standard, stupid? Do you not fucking get that? Do you guys remember that? Remember the, remember the jacked and tan dude with the steel trap mind shaking his hand in the air behind all the woke vets and going, hey. Yeah. Once again, I was right because now, they, because they failed this so badly, they're saying, no, we got to scrap this and go back to uh, uh, different standards by gender. Now, to her credit, and I did tweet this out at Bravo Kilo Actual. One of the first women to pass the Ranger School course, Captain Kristen Greist. She was one of the first two women to graduate from Ranger School. She became the Army's first female infantry officer in 2016. She wrote an op-ed. And you guys can Google this op-ed. Quote, with equal opportunity comes equal responsibility. Lowering fitness standards to accommodate women will hurt the Army and women. End quote. So... To her credit, she's saying, no, we need to keep these standards. And the fucking woke vets on Twitter all week long were just going on and on about leg tucks. And all their fucking simps on active duty in the army were fucking sucking them off and saying, oh, you're right. There just seems, before I get into it, just for, if you don't know, go Google leg tuck. But basically what it looks like, imagine hanging from a pull-up bar with your arms at a 90-degree angle. So you're doing like half a pull-up, right? With your hands in front of one or the other. And then you have to bring in a controlled motion your knees up to touch your elbows. That's a leg tuck. So the standard for infantry was to be able to do five. And when it first came out, just me as a man in my 40s, although jacked and tanned beyond belief for a man in his 40s. I was curious about it, so I just ran out to a pull-up bar, and the first time I ever tried to do them, I did like seven, seven or eight. First time. If I trained to do it, I could easily do a dozen in like a week or two. So if I can fucking do it, you can do it is my point. And just to see all these fucking simp woke vets saying on, oh, well, you know what? Uh, physical fitness doesn't mean you can do your job well and all this stuff. It's like, have you no fucking pride, dude? There seems to be this movement to describe the military as like more like just a federal jobs program. It's fucking not supposed to be. 
They exclude people all the time as I've gone over exhaustively for all kinds of issues, including obesity, tattoos, bad credit, diabetes, asthma, all kinds of shit. You, you don't have a right to be in the military. And now I see all these female woke vets shrieking on social media that it's discriminatory for them to not be able to be some weak fucking body in the military. And that they should be able to have their job even though they're a fucking weak or obese piece of shit. And I'm like, that's not the fucking military. And it just trucking drives me nuts, man. There's like, there is no, I don't know, I would be embarrassed to go on social media and shriek about how PT standards are unfair. Because basically you're just telling on yourself. What you're saying is you can't fucking hack it. And in the old military, and when I say old military, I mean like 10 years ago. If you couldn't hack it, you were gone. But that was before the woke age we live in now. Now, far be it from BK to offer criticism without a suggestion. I have many suggestions. First of all, I would make PT tests MOS specific. I think I've said this before, but when I was in the Air Force, we had I had to do two PT tests every year. One was the Air Force-wide PT test. That was for everybody. It was like a mile and a half run. It was like crunches and then like a body tape measurement or something like that. But then I also had to take, as a member of a pararescue unit, I had to take the AFSOC, Air Force Special Operations Command PT test, which was way harder. That was the three-mile run, mile-and-a-half swim, um, and I'm sorry, one-mile swim, three-mile run, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and it was a bitch. So I, I have no problem with making like a baseline. Like I look in a perfect world, would everybody in the military, the U.S. military, be jacked and fucking be able to run a sub twenty-one three mile? Yes, they would. I'm trying to be like realistic here, though. We would never fill the million slots we need to fill if we had those standards. So yes, ideally, you're right. That that would be the standard. But let's be real here. I do think that maybe it's not necessary for the chick who works at the Air Force Inn or base housing or works in a cubicle to have to have the same PT standards as a Green Beret. I don't think, you know, the guy who puts the gas in planes needs to have the same PT standards as a PJ or a combat controller. So that being said, also, my second suggestion is that I would give the older guys a break. And, and I'm not trying to like excuse or anything, but hear me out here. Like, for example, my old chief guy was a fucking monster. Okay. And he was a beast in his youth. He later became, he was a reservist chief. He later became like the head of the entire EMS system of the state of Texas. And this guy probably had more hands-on medical experience than 99.9% of not just the military, but the civilian population as well. As I mean, this dude was throwing tubes in kids. He was criking. He's got. He's done crikes. He's done. He, you name it. He's done it. Plus, on top of all that, being a squared away air commando PJ, combat veteran, everything else, he was a reservist chief well into his fifties. So, I'm gonna say like, yeah, I'm not gonna make fucking Chief Landon run a sub fucking 21 minute three mile. I'm going to give Chief Landon a break because Chief Landon has 10,000 times more experience in his fucking pinky finger than every uh, commando under the age of 25. 
You know what I'm saying? So that's a guy whose knowledge and his work ethic and his general gravitas uh, outweighs the need to run a sub-21 minute three mile, if that makes sense. So, I, so yes, I would scale it to older guys because they have that knowledge and stuff like that. And that being said, th- this particular chief was still a beast, but, you know, the guy's knees are shot after being a PJ for 30 fucking years, you know, so can he, he can't run fucking three miles in 19 minutes. Who gives a shit? You know, this dude was just an animal when it came to doing the actual job. So those are my suggestions, but, guys, I could not fucking get enough of the whining on social media, and I did have fun with it. Again, you can go look at my Twitter account for that. And no, the military is not your fucking federal jobs program. But uh, maybe that ship has sailed. I don't know. All right. Let's keep going. Let's go to... uh, Let's talk about the uh, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. President Biden has decided that the diplomatic cost of directly penalizing Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is too high, despite a detailed American intelligence finding that he... MBS directly approved the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Remember, he is the dissident and Washington Post columnist who was drugged and then dismembered in October of 2018. And and this is the reality, you guys. And this is what when Trump was president, I said the same shit. You know, you have to deal with bad state leaders as president, and it's childish. To assume that, what, oh, we're going to go to war with Saudi Arabia over one fucking journalist? No, we never were going to. But Biden kind of put himself in the box because during the 2020 campaign, he called Saudi Arabia a, quote, pariah state, end quote, with, quote, no redeeming social value, end quote. And uh, this... uh, this new decision to not punish him came after you know, an internal debate in which his newly formed national security team advised him that there was no way to formally bar Mohammed bin Salman from entering the United States <laughs> or to weigh criminal charges against him without breaching the relationship with one of America's key Arab allies. Yeah, duh. And yeah, they thought that uh, pissing off Saudi Arabia while they're cooperating with us on counterterrorism and cooperating with us, by the way, in confronting Iran. And they said uh, these costs are too high. Yeah, and this is predictable. You fucking knew this was going to happen. This is always, like, remember Trump with Putin? And, like, people wanted us to, like, what, go to war with Russia because uh, Putin uh, uh, gave Trump uh, bags of rubles to fucking win the election in 2016? Yeah, all that nonsense. So... They did make this official intelligence finding public. The contents of the intelligence finding actually leaked more than two years ago, so we kind of knew all this. So they said at a practical matter, Prince Mohammed would not be invited to the United States anytime soon. They had to frantically deny they were giving Saudi Arabia a pass. But what they did uh, is decide to pass a series of new actions on lower-level officials intended to penalize elite elements of the Saudi military. So some of those actions include a travel ban. Uh Uh-oh, travel ban! On Saudi Arabia's former intelligence chief, who was deeply involved in the Khashoggi operation. 
and on the Rapid Intervention Force, the RIF. That is a unit of the Saudi Royal Guard that protects Prince Mohammed and is under his direct control. So this declassified intelligence report did conclude that the intervention force directed the operation against Khashoggi at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. Khashoggi, just recall, entered the consulate on October 2nd, 2018 to get papers he needed for his forthcoming marriage. And with his fiance waiting outside the gates was instead met by an assassination team. And the Trump administration did act against the 17 members of that team. They did impose travel bans and other penalties. So, uh, there you go. And remember, the crown prince's father, King Salman, is now 85 and in poor health. So, MBS is the favorite to kind of like take over once he fucking kicks off. Now, the Saudi government issued a blistering response to this report and the new sanctions uh they wrote quote the kingdom of saudi arabia completely rejects the negative false and unacceptable assessment in the report pertaining to the kingdom's leadership and note that the report contained inaccurate information and conclusions end quote that's a spot-on impression you guys that's what they sound like go listen to them and uh, that was, uh, so that's it. So again, we're not going to do shit. A study by administration officials found that the U.S. had acted against adversaries like President Bashar al-Assad of Syria, Kim Jong-un from North Korea, President Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela, but none of them led countries that were major allies. And that was always the fucking hiccup. Now, what about this assassination team? This is, uh, I'm pretty fascinated with this. They said that there were seven Saudis involved in the killing of Khashoggi and that RIF, as I mentioned earlier, exists to defend the crown prince and they answer only to him. They, uh, this A little bit about this unit, the RIF, they appear to have begun its violent campaign in 2017, the year when Prince Mohammed pushed aside his older rival, to become heir to the Saudi throne. And according to American officials, this group has carried out dozens of operations both inside the kingdom and beyond, including forcibly repatriating Saudis from other Arab countries. They also appear to have been involved in the detention and abuse of prominent women's rights activists who had campaigned for lifting the kingdom's ban on women driving. Uh, some of these detainees were held temporarily inside a palace belonging to Mohammed bin Salman. And uh, this is funny. The group was so busy that in June 2018, its field commander asked, and it's, it's asked an advisor to Prince Mohammed whether the RIF might get bonuses for the, <laughs> for the uh, Eid holiday. That marks the end of the holy month of Ramadan. Oh, you got to love government workers. They're so consistent across every culture. Always looking for more money. Uh, Let's see. What else about this? This group is overseen by some guy named Saud al-Qatani. That is one of the crown prince's top aides. And in addition to overseeing the RAF, one of his other roles is to manage the kingdom's troll farm. 
Those are those organizations that use legions of online bots and avatars to smother the voices of prominent critics like Khashoggi. And it's funny, if you go tweet about this, you can see responses by all kinds of like, you know, nameless uh, Arabic bots too. And that's kind of how these troll forums work. What else about these guys here? Remember, the Saudi government has long denied that Prince Mohammed had any role in Khashoggi's killing. It did put eight men on trial for it. The government never released the names of the accused eight men. And then last September, a Saudi court announced that five of the men had been sentenced to 20 years in prison and three others received lesser sentences. Some of the defendants had originally received death sentences, but those sentences were lifted after one of Khashoggi's sons said publicly that he and his siblings had pardoned the men who killed their father. It's unclear whether any members of the RIF were put on trial or sentenced, but that aforementioned Mr. Al-Khatani was publicly exonerated by the Saudi government because prosecutors said there was insufficient evidence to try him in the Khashoggi killing. So there you go. All right, let's go to the, well, why don't we just go ahead and do our uh, coronavirus update and uh, get on that. What do we got here? Well, let's start with our, why isn't this, sorry guys, I'm just uh, kind of doing the um, New York Times live update page and it's for some reason it doesn't really want to uh, update very well, but let's go to a, our live maps and cases here as I scroll down. Why is it doing that? <laughs> I'm sorry, for some reason the map and cases part is not showing up. So let me just quickly Google this New York Times COVID. This is all on the fly, you guys. As you know, this is a live show, no breaks, no editing. And here we go. Let's go to maps and cases. All right. Um, and no, I want <laughs> I don't, New York Times is acting wacky. So let me just uh, instead, I'll just give you the raw numbers here. And as we go to the worldometers.info page and look at our coronavirus updates worldwide, we're looking at 114,000 I'm sorry, 114 million, 260,000. 431 confirmed coronavirus cases. Worldwide deaths, 2,534,398. Recovered from the coronavirus, 89 million people, 823,329. Uh, in America, total case count is now 29,187,062. And our total deaths in America is 524,383. So that's our latest number there. Now, as far as the live updates, the FDA is expected to approve a third COVID shot. Uh, it could be as earlier today if they haven't already done it. And this is the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. This will now make that the third shot vaccine available in the U.S. The vaccine will be the first of the approved vaccines to require one dose instead of two. Shipments are expected to start within days 
And of course, this joins the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So we're going to have Pfizer, Moderna, and now J&J. So that 28.5 million coronavirus case number represents more than 8% of the population. And we've kind of seen the averages going down because as you would expect, a lot of people have had it, you know? So there's only so many more places a virus can go before it starts to wind down. Of course, that's the whole theory behind the herd immunity. So daily case numbers are about where they were in October. And that is far below the single-day record of about 300,000 infections set in one day, and that was in early January. Daily vaccination numbers have started to increase again after decline brought on by that severe winter storm. So, uh, let's see. More than 68 million shots have been given since vaccines began in December. The country is averaging about 1.5 million reported vaccinations a day. So the J&J shot had an overall efficacy rate in clinical trials of 72% in the U.S. and 64% in South Africa. Those are good numbers. They are lower than the roughly 95% efficacy rates of Pfizer and Moderna's vaccine. So what else do we have? I talked about the military rejecting the vaccines. Uh, some colleges and universities are planning for a more normal fall semester. Good, very good, far overdue. Kansas State University announced this week that it is planning a pretty normal fall semester with largely in-person classes, events, and activities. Uh, New York University told colleagues in an email that they plan to have all faculty teaching their classes in person in the classroom of fall 2021. Well, we'll see what happens. As far as the stimulus plan, the House did pass Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan. That was late last night in a nearly party-line vote. The vote was 219 to 212. Every Republican voted against it. Unemployment benefits are set to begin lapsing on March 14th for the workers who have been thrown off the job. And Democrats now have only two weeks to finish the package in the Senate and resend it to the House and Biden's desk. Uh, so it does offer the following benefits. There will be $1,400 direct payments to individuals earning up to $75,000 a year and to couples earning up to $150,000 a year. It would also expand a weekly federal unemployment benefit that is set to lapse in mid-March, increasing the payments to $400 a week from $300 a week and extend those payments through the end of August. It would increase the child tax credit. It would provide more than $50 billion for vaccine distribution, testing, and tracing. And get this, allocate nearly $200 billion to primary and secondary schools and $350 billion to state, local, and tribal governments. There's the big bailout that uh, the lockdown crazy governors wanted. Uh, let's see. The NBA is investigating a report by Jeremy Lin, one of the best-known Asian-American players in basketball, that he had been called coronavirus on the court. <laughs> He's Taiwanese-American. He disclosed the slur in a Facebook post. Of course, this comes after the recent surge of attacks against Asian-Americans. 
that have stoked fear in the community. And it's funny, too. Do you see how, like, all the activists are trying to blame that on white, white supremacy when basically virtually all the attackers have been either black or Latino? Everything's white people's fault, isn't it? It's comedy. Palestinians are going into lockdown on the West Bank as coronavirus uh, infections surge. Um, what else on the live updates page? Canada approved use of the AstraZeneca vaccine on Friday. Anything else here? Um, I'm just scrolling down here. Of course, the school closure thing continues to be a huge fucking deal. I've got more on that a little bit later. And now Zimbabwe's leader is basically saying, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to be able to get a job. And that comes from President Emerson Managagua. And that came as the country of 15 million people is struggling to secure doses for people who want to be vaccinated. And yeah, this, so that's a big deal because that's like, you know, the whole vaccination passport thing. And then meanwhile, in fucking New Zealand, how about this? This is breaking right before the podcast. They're going back into lockdown. Not the whole country. Their biggest city of Auckland. They're going into another seven-day lockdown after a single case of the coronavirus came up. And this comes two weeks after Auckland's nearly 2 million residents were plunged into a three-day lockdown when a family of three were diagnosed. So is this going to be their future? Every time one fucking person comes down with this, they're just going to lock down the entire city of 2 million people? How you can't live like this? <laughs> this is absurd. That is New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Remember how all the progressives were sucking her off all last year? I mean, that's like tyrannical. This lockdown in Auckland will allow people to leave home only for essential shopping and essential work. Jeez. I wouldn't want to live like that. And uh, meanwhile, the Queen, you rarely hear from the Queen of England, she says that those people refusing to get a COVID vaccination should think of others before themselves. Let's listen to the Queen well, talk once here. Once you've had the vaccine, you have a feeling of, uh, you know, you're, you're protected, which is, I think, very important. And as far as I can make out, it was quite harmless. It was very quick. And I, I've had lots of letters from people who've been very surprised by how easy it was to get the vaccine. And the jab was very, it didn't hurt at all. I think the other the other thing is is that it's it is obviously difficult for people to if they've never had a vaccine because they ought to think about other people rather than themselves. There you go. Listen to the Queen, you guys. I, I, you gotta love old Brits, you know, that like stiff upper lip thing they have. She's like, I had this. She's got that like whiny voice. Like I, I had the vaccine. It was, it was quite extraordinary. It was a quick jab. It didn't hurt at all. I encourage all of those to get vaccinated and think of others before we think of themselves. That's how, like, every older British person sounds to me. Like that whole, like, Winston Churchill thing, you know? The Boris Johnson, like that very spitty, raspy voice, you know? <laughs> the frontline front workers have been quite extraordinary and doing a fine job with the vaccine, governor. That's how they all sound to me. And uh, meanwhile, the pandemic is finally putting governors in the crosshairs. That's right. Without Trump, without the orange man, 
Finally, the media is asking these governors, what the hell's going on and why are you still locked down? And of course, nobody embodies this more than hapless, flailing governor Gavin Newsom of California, my governor. That's right. Most of the state is still waiting for vaccinations. Schools in California big cities have yet to reopen when they're open almost every other state in the country, especially the grammar schools. And let's not forget the $30 billion that has been looted from the state's pandemic unemployment insurance program. And then the fucking icing on the cake was when stupid Gavin Newsom went maskless inside to one of the most expensive restaurants in the state, the French Laundry. And that was literally hours after he locked down Californians telling them to stay in and wear masks. So the recall is proceeding. The recall organizers say they have exceeded 1.7 million signatures as of three weeks before the deadline. Yep, there you go. Then this comes on the part of other governors, like in Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine, he's been assailed for strict enforcement. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas is under fire for runaway infection rates in border cities. Crashes of the vaccine system in Massachusetts have eroded the popularity of Governor Charlie Baker. And then, of course, in New York, dopey Governor Andrew Cuomo, who infamously forced senior citizens back into the nursing homes, resulting in thousands of their deaths, and then tried to cover it up. Let's not forget that one. So, yeah, we got a couple people uh, trying to run to replace Newsom. And it is true that Republican registration is uh, pretty horrible out here, but he's pissed off a lot of fucking Democrats, too. It's not just a Republican thing. Yeah, that's funny. And this... I mentioned that French laundry dinner dinner at the night that Gavin Newsom was photographed at the French laundry. Only 55,000 people had signed the recall petition. Like they were already mad at him. Right. One month later after that dinner, they had 500,000 signatures. So, and now it's 1.7 million. So very good. We're going to recall him. And if nothing else, let's recall him just to fucking send a message. Oh, and then uh, quickly, last thing on the coronavirus and the stimulus bill. They were trying to get that minimum wage, the $15 an hour, and it didn't really happen. They tried to include that to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025. That measure was stricken from the legislation by a Senate official who said that it did not qualify under the strict budgetary rules governing reconciliation bills. Remember, that's how they're trying to pass this bill, by reconciliation. So they're trying to figure out some arcane way to get it back in. So there's your fucking coronavirus update. Let's keep going, guys. And let's go to, uh, well... Why don't we do a few clips? I know you guys love these. And uh, let's start with a police officer in Massachusetts. He gets confronted after blocking a handicap spot. So some smart-ass guy walks up to him, like, you know, trying to do a citizen's arrest. And, and you hear this cop. He, he is fucking not having it. So let's uh, listen to how this goes. Here. Walking up to him. Is this your cruiser, sir? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've been served. What is that? Citation, sir. 
Yeah, okay. Well, it's not an official citation, but it's from the uh, Massachusetts uh, hey, Disability. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to tell you something right now, okay? You know where I'm You recording this? Yes, sir. All right, good. I want you to... I'm Officer Ryan Ross, okay? Okay, sir. All right, I just want to make you're you aware not, of something. You're, you're refusing to accept this? I want to make you aware of something. Okay. I want to make you aware of something right now. You can play your games with other people. Okay, I'm sir. not a guy that you play games with. Oh, okay. Do you understand so that's me? another threat. Do you understand me? Okay. Okay. Now listen, you're I'm a police this. officer in the function of my duties. You're, 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 you're I'm trying to load my vehicle and you're blocking a handicapped spot. Yeah. Okay. okay. And fine. we're here lawfully. Okay. I understand, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, God. I could, dude, I don't think I could make it as a cop, you guys. I would just start beating that dude, or just actually just just take out the mace at that that moment. Just be like, "Oh, real? Oh, is this you're gonna do a citizen's arrest on me here? How about a little fucking mace in your eyes?" I would be fired quickly. Here is a racist employee who is yelling at a coworker because she lodged a complaint that this employee said about her quote nappy hair end quote. Do you fucking understand? Do you fucking understand? What the fuck is wrong with me? How about the fact that you're playing a fucking racist card for one, calling me a fucking racist and I'm not? Don't even say the fuck you didn't because I saw the fucking message. Well, you shouldn't tell people that their hair is nappy. Your hair is fucking nappy, sweetheart. I'm sorry to deal with it. Okay? I don't care. My hair gets nappy too. Regardless, I don't give a fuck. White, black, orange, green, or purple, okay? All right, that was all over TikTok too. So, yep. And uh, let me see, what else do I have on the pile here? Here is a Trump supporter in Florida who is yelling at a mother and daughter. Apparently, she mentions Kamala Harris being a man. Let's see how this Biden, one goes. Right? Biden, right? Biden is my president. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Who's using the... Lovely, lovely. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I don't. Put your mask on. My mask is on, you dumbass. Do you want me to exercise for you, too? Yeah, go ahead. No, I, exercise yeah. your right to get on over there. Yeah, this is go my right. Go on over there, bitch. You're behind my car. You're not driving. Come on. Come on, get in the car. Pardon me. Pardon me. I've been vaccinated. I've been, no, we're not. She's harassing us. No, I'm not. They harass She's me. She's harassing us. Good, prove it. She won't, she won't let us get in our car. Kamala Harris is a man. <laughs> Wait, Kamala, Kamala Harris is a man. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Are you going to drive? Are you a BLM or an Antifa? Do you burn <laughs> down buildings and kill children? <laughs> I can't wait till this gets on Facebook. I can't wait for yes, it either. You will be ID'd. You will be ID'd. Dox me. Dox me. Tell her to get away from 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 me. I'll call the cops. Get the fuck away. I dare you. I don't have a problem. I hilarious. fucking dare you. We are this hilarious. Is so funny. I fucking I'm gonna dare video you. you. You're fucking hilarious. Look at you with the Lysol. Your Lysol. Look at you. That is fun. You're gonna put Lysol <laughs> miserable bitch. <laughs> okay, just a, I didn't know this was coming. The third chick that you heard there walked up at the end is wearing a T-shirt that says Roger Stone did nothing wrong. <laughs> God, I love this country. Uh, and now here is a, uh, this was a guy in, here's a road rage one. Here is a guy in Tennessee and this chick pulls up next to him. I guess he was tailgating her and she had a Joe Biden sticker on her car. Let's, uh, listen to how this goes. What's the problem? You don't like me. I have a fucking three-year-old in the back of my car and you were on my ass. Oh, okay. That's disrespectful. 
Okay, I don't care. You don't care? Really. You're driving like an asshole, and you could have caused an accident with my child. Only if you would have hit the brakes. If I hit the brakes, I was trying to turn to my fucking driveway, and you were on my ass. Okay. You need to get a fucking better license or go back. I get a better license. You need to go back and get a license. Okay, I have a license. Yeah, you need to go back and fucking retake your test. Because you clearly don't know the rules of the road. No, You're I supposed didn't. to be at least a fucking car length behind me. Okay. My child is in the back seat and you were on my ass. Okay. You don't care? You don't care. What's your name? Why? Because I need to know. Why do you need Because to? I need to know. Why do you need because to? you almost caused an accident you with my a, child. Do you have a warrant for my name? No, I don't. Can drive off. No, but I will gladly call the police and let them know how you're driving. Okay, so they can't do nothing about it. Okay. Do nothing about it. Okay, I have you on video. Uh, I have your license plate number. What did you have me on video doing? Driving. Driving. Yes, and now I have... Call me over and write me a citation or whatever for driving. I will call them and let them know how you're driving. And they still can't do nothing. Sure they can. What can they do? They have no proof. Drive on, please. No. You're an asshole. Yeah, I know. Thank you. And so that makes you happy? No, it makes me happy that you're upset. That's the kind of person you are? Imagine are you doing this. Are you a Republican? This. I am. That makes sense. Fucking Trump supporter, aren't you? I am. Did you yeah. see my sticker? No. Really didn't give a shit. That He's got the Make so America Great Again hat person. That's flashing. disgusting. Is that why you were on my ass because I have Biden on my back? So you rode my ass because of who I voted for. <laughs> so you were willing to ass in my car. No, I didn't hit it though. You were very close to my car. Yeah, I was very close. Why? Because I can't. Because you can be close to my car? Because no, I didn't hit it though. You were very close to my car. Okay, apparently this video is skipping yeah. around a little bit. You got to get the uh, fucking idea. That's not me. That's the uh, the video for some reason is like looped. Why, why do people just sit there and go through all this? I love how everybody's like a legal expert, you know? <laughs> like trying to like debate each other. Just drive off, dude. And then here is a uh, anti-mask couple in Southern California yelling at a cashier. This should be funny. I don't give you the right to videotape me. That's okay, now when the cops come, I'm telling you, you can't videotape me. All right. Okay. All right. We'll see how they feel about you not wearing a mask. You're not going to force me to wear a mask if I got health issues. It's called the Americans with Disability Act, stupid fuck. Shut up. Fuck you. Make me shut up, motherfucker. Up. Make me shut up. Make me shut up. So what's up? Stupid wetback. You know what? Let me call the cops because I'm going to have you yeah. arrested, bro. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. That doesn't matter. I, I told him to stop. Yeah. I told him yeah, I, I don't give him a... Okay. Okay. He keeps, he keeps okay. filming me. You're supposed to get up. See what he's telling me? See what he's telling me? He keeps antagonizing And you told me, you told me on videotape, you told me to come back at four, right? You want to go ahead? No, no, no. I'm going to give you my manager's name and I'm going to pull out. I want this guy's name too. And you told me to come back at four, right? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Jesus. I got more later, but that's, uh, that's good enough for right now. Let's uh, keep going. What else do I have here? Let's uh, talk a little bit about some some unfortunate being buried stories. That's right. One was a 42-year-old grave digger named Rodwin Alacock. He was killed after being buried alive under more than seven feet of dirt. This is in Long Island. And a freak accident occurred around 8.30 in the morning. 
And yeah, he was just basically fucking there digging the grave. I thought all graves were dug by like a backhoe now or something, but this motherfucker was really out there in the, with a shovel or something. He was inside the grave. And yeah, the big fucking levee of earth that he had built up collapsed on top of him, burying him alive. There were a couple co-workers present who tried to get him out of there, but they uh, weren't in time. And this is at the Washington Memorial Park Cemetery in Long Island. And sadly, they didn't get to him in time and he died. Fucking freak accident. Now, this was not a freak accident. Out here in San Diego, Coronado Beach, a very nice beach, a man attempted to bury his wife alive during an attack at Coronado Island Beach on Thursday night. The woman called 911, reporting that her husband had just tried to kill her. So the couple was visiting the beach earlier in the evening, and they got into an argument that escalated when the suspect, later identified as Jose Luis Mares III, 23 years old, started attacking his wife. First, he tried to throw her into the surf, and then he brought her near a lifeguard tower where he tried burying her alive in the sand. <laughs> there was already a hole there, probably from some you know, kids digging it during the day. So he throws her in this hole, and then he starts throwing sand on top of her. And then uh, finally, I guess he realized what he was doing. He ran away. So the woman escaped and uh, flagged down some passersby. And they found him a short time later hiding in the backyard of a nearby home. Oh, here you go. Here's a he was a parolee previously convicted for carjacking and burglary. Yeah, well, now you're going away for attempted murder, so have fun with that. All right, what else? Oh, the House passed a sweeping gay and transgender equality bill. Uh, it was first passed in 2019, actually, but it uh, now is passed again, and it now faces a steep climb in the Senate. This would extend civil rights protections to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Of course, that's, what, that's what's on the face. Buried deep within the bill is all kinds of nonsense, as usual. The, the bill passed 224 to 206. It's the second time they've passed this measure known as the Equality Act, and it adds explicit bans on discrimination against lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people in both public and private spaces. Uh, like, theoretically, you know, you could sue... Uh, religious organizations, for example, for discriminating you for being gay. Of course, some religions do discriminate against people for being gay. That's just part of the deal. Uh, so, yeah. And this kind of went on and on, and they had some good um, audio, which I'm going to play a little bit later. In a landmark decision last June, the Supreme Court ruled that the 1964 civil rights law protects gay and transgender people from workplace discrimination and Democrats sought to build on that ruling which would expand the scope of civil rights protections beyond workers to consumers at businesses including restaurants, taxi services, gas stations and shelters and a little bit what I was just referred to it would also water down the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that's the 1993 law at the heart of the Hobby Lobby Supreme Court case that set a high bar for governments to enact laws that substantially burden an individual's f 
freedom to exercise religious beliefs. Those protections have been cited, for one example, bakers and photographers who object to serving same-sex weddings. You know, that always kills me. Like, so fucking what? Like, okay, I know I have LGBT listeners, right? There are probably 1,000 fucking bakers and photographers that you could get to who would gladly work for your same-sex wedding, right? So there's one fucking guy who doesn't feel like doing it. What do you care? That's what always kills. This is supposed to be America. Do you? We don't have to care about everything. I don't have to like everything. You know, if he doesn't want to do it, fine. More business for the other guys, right? This is capitalism in a nutshell. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that happened again. So, very good. We've successfully saved LG. And speaking of LGBT, a Gallup survey released this week has found that more adult Americans are identifying as LGBT. The poll has found that 5.6% of adults do identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. That is a rise from 4.5% in 2017. And the poll also found that more than half of LGBT adults identified as bisexual. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I've said it before. I said it again. Like, it's too complicated. We need to break down into two categories. Do you like penis or not like penis? I've gone over it a hundred times. That way, there's no like such thing as bi. It's it's one or the other. You can't wheel around, and that covers everybody. You guys, you could be androgynous, asexual, pansexual, sapiosexual, and all that's very confusing with our new woke world of fifty-seven genders. So why not just have two categories? Likes penis, does not like penis. I'm telling you, I'm way ahead of my time on this. They're going to write books about this later. Just remember, I came up with the idea first. They said that one in six adults in Generation Z, that is people born between 1997 and 2002, identify as LGBT. Really? Hmm. They think, of course, that with the more acceptance of LGBT that uh, more people identify themselves. So this survey was based on more than 15,000 interviews conducted throughout 2020 with Americans in all 50 states who were 18 or older. They were interviewed by both cell phone and landline. That's good. I still have never one time had a pollster call me for any reason. Not once. So I, I read these polls. I take them with a huge grain of salt. So yes, lots and lots of the LGBT. Very good. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, MAGA mob. A little bit of update on that. You guys remember how the, sadly, the Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, he died mysteriously. And remember the fake news came out and said he was beat to death with a fire extinguisher. And then it came out, oh, by the way, he had no signs of physical trauma at all in his body. And that's not what happened. Well, they're still trying to find out if they can pin his, if they can even call it a murder. And the FBI is now trying and says they do have an assailant in its investigation into Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick and his death. He was part of the Capitol Police fending off the pro-Trump mob 
And then he later died. Again, we don't have like a death report or anything. They've been very hush-hush about it. So the FBI opened a homicide investigation right after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And they soon began to suspect his death was related to an irritant like mace or bear spray that he had inhaled during the riot. So now, in a breakthrough, investigators have now pinpointed a person seen on video of the riot who attacked several officers with bear spray, including Officer Sicknick. Now, this is going to be a hard sell because, first of all, both officers, both the Capitol Police officers and rioters, were armed with sprays, like mace and bear spray. So it was one big fucking cloud of spray. So it's going to be a tough sell for them to be like, oh, it's because of your particles and your spray in this giant cloud of spray that killed this guy. And they don't even know, and I'm not downplaying, I'm trying to think of it as a lawyer would. You know what I'm saying? It's a, just an interesting intellectual exercise. I'm not taking the side of fucking those morons, trust me. You guys know that. I'm just, it's an intellectual exercise. I'm trying to like, you know, be the defendant here, the defense lawyer. And they don't even know if, in fact, the in inhalant did contribute to his death. Again, we don't have the medical examiner's report, so we don't know. Uh, so right now, they think the more likely thing is charges of assaulting an officer rather than murder. Because, again, it's a tough sell. Because irritants like bear spray, pepper spray, and mace are considered to be non-lethal crowd control deterrents, but you could have a physical reaction and like an allergic issue, and then you could die. Uh, so yeah, remember they initially said he had been struck with a fire extinguisher. They later said there was no evidence to support that he had died from any blunt force trauma. Uh, additionally, the justice department said yesterday they also indicted six members of the far right nationalist group, the proud boys, gayest name ever, by the way, with conspiracy to obstruct the certification of president Biden's electoral victory and to attack law enforcement. And further, the uh, National Guard people are still in D.C. And all those fences are still up. Why? Because the acting chief of the Capitol Police is warning lawmakers this week that extremist groups want to blow up the Capitol and kill lawmakers around President Biden's first formal address to Congress. Okay. What is this, like two cranks on the Internet? See, guys, this is what they're going to do. They're going to take fucking dumb Internet chatter on Twitter and Reddit, and they're going to be like, oh, see? See, we got thousands of these guys potentially who are going to storm the Capitol and murder everyone. Therefore, we need to have this enormous police state enacted in D.C. for the rest of time. That's basically what's going to happen. Like, when is this going to be over? Because the Capitol is still surrounded on all sides with the tall fence uh, and razor wire. And also, an official told Congress the riot costs will exceed $30 million dollars. How'd they come up with that number? I was interested in that. Well, a lot of it is because of mental health services. <laughs> Snowflakes. Um, yeah, they detailed a substantial increase in demand for mental health counseling with an office that typically handles about 3,000 calls per year, surging to more than 1,150 interactions with employees, managers, and members of Congress in six weeks. And also... A lot of this has to do with temporary fencing around the Capitol and the pay for National Guards. So barely any of it was for actual physical damage to the Capitol. All right. Let's do a 
few other international news stories. The ambassador to the Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, was killed in an ambush, the Italian ambassador, I should say, with his bodyguard and her driver while taking part in a humanitarian convoy with the World Food Program. How about that? This was uh, the death of Luca Atanasad. Excuse me. Luca Atanasio. That's it. 43 years old. Struck a nerve in Italy. They're not fucking happy. And he was uh, sadly, yeah, killed in that ambush. And he had moved with his wife to the capital of Kinshasa in 2017. They had three daughters. And this convoy was near the city of Goma. And where the attack took place is in that North Kivu province. And we've talked about that province quite a few times on the podcast. That is in the east of the country, nestled against the border of Rwanda. And it is known as a hotbed of violent activity with dozens of armed gangs. Horrible. And uh, it's rattled the diplomatic community, as you can imagine. And it wasn't just Anatasio. It was also Vittorio Iacovacci. And then a local guy named Mustafa Malambo, who was a driver for the World Food Program. All three men were in a car that was part of a convoy of vehicles heading north when their convoy was stopped by armed men. The group killed Malambo and then led the rest of the convoy into the forest, attempting to kidnap them. But park rangers and Congolese army unit nearby responded. During an exchange of gunfire, the attackers then killed the two Italian men. Ugh. Images posted by local journalists on social media showed the visibly injured ambassador being cradled in the back of a military truck as a man clasped the ambassador's hand in his, holding it over his chest. He was rushed to treatment for a hospital where he died. It's very sad. And that's not the only one. Four aid workers were shot in Pakistan. This was in the northwestern Pakistani district of North Waziristan. And a vehicle carrying the aid workers, who were all Pakistanis, was fired upon by unidentified attackers. The four aid workers were all women. They were killed. The male driver was wounded. A fifth aid worker, also a woman, survived the attack by taking refuge in a nearby house. The attackers then fled into the mountains. Not, yeah, that's fucking, talk about dangerous war. How'd you like to be aid worker in like Democratic Republic of Congo or Pakistan? Yeah, no thanks. Uh, let's see, a couple crime stories here. A lot of you guys sent me this one. And I think I covered this when it first happened, but he's going through trial now. This was the Florida father of five accused of mutilating his wife's bound lover with scissors, cutting off his penis, and running off with it. 51-year-old Alex Bonilla is expected to plead guilty to charges of kidnapping, armed burglary, aggravated assault, and battery. He's a dairy worker. He's accused of entering the home of his wife's lover, threatening him with a gun, and then tying him up in the bedroom in July of 2019. And two months before this attack happened, Bonilla had already caught his wife having sex with the victim. The victim apparently next lived next door. So he 
goes into the home of this guy. He reassures the victim by saying, quote, you will not die today, end quote. And then Bonilla took off his pants, tied a rubber band at the base of his penis, and then used scissors to cut off the dude's penis. Hmm. According to a pre-sentence report, Bonilla was getting frustrated because it was taking too long to cut off his rival's penis and, quote, blood was going everywhere, end quote. He cut off three quarters of the penis and carried it away with him. The penis was never recovered and the victim was left unable to urinate or have sex normally. Oh, man. So he tried to claim he actually just went in to talk to the guy and then he blacked out. <laughs> so he should get the death penalty, no doubt. Uh, and then also, there was this a good one. In the Daytona Beach News Journal, a 47 year old homeless man named Timothy Campbell with a campsite on the edge of the woods in Edgewater was arrested when. He was sitting next to a 51-year-old woman at a bus stop. She entered the local Burger King to get food and charge her cell phone, but only had $1. So Campbell is in line behind her and offers to buy her food. The woman accepts, and she gets back to the bus stop to wait for her bus. And then this guy walks back up to her and says, Hey, you want to hang out while you wait for the bus? So they go for a walk. As they walk through some woods, Campbell ties a rope around her quickly and then forces her into a tent where he had red laser light with stars illuminating the inside. Some great detail in here. Campbell continued to keep her inside there. She was trying to get out and then he unzipped his pants and performed a sex act on her. No, no boy, come on now. Yeah, that's right. That's no good. That's no good. Okay, guys, how about a little political roundup here? I got a bunch of clips here. As you know, you probably saw some of the uh, stupid uh, cabinet uh, members uh, being grilled by various people. Let's start with uh, hapless Merrick Garland. They're trying to make him the new attorney general. Uh, here he is being asked about uh, transgender... Men, I'm sorry, transgender women competing in female sports. Uh, let's listen to, Give this. It to them. And it made me sad, but it, uh, it, it reaffirmed my role as a judge. Okay. Um, in my last 20 seconds, I'm going to ask you if you agree with this statement. Uh, allowing, and I'm not suggesting the answer one way or the other, I just want to know what you believe. Allowing biological males to compete in an all-female sport deprives women of the opportunity to participate fully and fairly in sports and is fundamentally unfair to female athletes. This is a very difficult societal question that you're asking here. I know what, what underlies it. I know it. what uh, you're uh, going to be attorney general. Oh, but uh, I, I may not be the one who has to make policy decisions like that, but it's not that I'm adverse to it. Look, I think every human being should be treated with dignity and respect. That's not the, yeah, um, that's not and, the question. That's an overriding sense of my own character, but an overriding sense of what the law uh, requires. Um, um, this, the particular uh, question of how Title IX applies in schools is one, and in light of the Bostock case, which okay, they, then he just fill, and, then he, and then he goes on. I'm just going to stop him there because I got a lot to get to. And then he just basically says, "Well, I haven't had time to think about it." 
I'm like, oh, get out of here. Could you have had time? Okay, well, I'm asking you now. What do you think? Of course, they don't want to answer that. Uh, let's see. Now here, this one is good too. They asked him about Antifa attacking the federal courthouse, and they said, well, this might not be domestic terrorism because it happens at night when nobody is in the courthouse. Let me ask you about uh, assaults on federal property in places other than Washington, D.C., Portland, for instance, Seattle. Do you regard assaults on federal courthouses or other federal property as acts of domestic extremism, domestic terrorism? Well... Senator, my own definition, which is about the same as the statutory definition, is uh, a use of violence or threats of violence uh, in an attempt to uh, disrupt uh, democratic processes. So an attack on a, uh, a courthouse while in operation, uh, trying to prevent judges from actually deciding cases, that plainly is um, domestic uh, um, uh, uh, extremism, um, 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 uh, uh, domestic uh, uh, terrorism, uh, uh, um, an attack simply on a government property at night or any other kind of circumstances is a clear crime and a serious one and should be punished. I don't mean, I don't know enough of the, about the facts of the example you're talking about, but that's where I, I draw the line. One, one is both are uh, criminal. Um, uh, but one is uh, a core attack on our democratic institutions. I see. Okay, very good. Yeah. Uh, buh, buh. God, these people were unimpressive. And this was a good one, too. Same guy, Merrick Garland. Uh, he was asked if a foreign national illegally entering another country is a crime or not. Of course, it is a crime in pretty much every country in the planet. Let's listen to this one. More about the law enforcement challenges at the border, which I know a number of other members have brought up with you. Just a, a fundamental question. Do you believe that illegal entry at America's border should remain a crime? Well, I haven't thought about uh, that question. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just haven't thought about that question. I, I, I think, the, you know, the, the president has... Uh, Made clear that we are a country of uh, with the borders and not, with the concern. No, he has not really security. made that clear. Um, I don't know of a proposal to uh, decriminalize, but still make it uh, unlawful to enter. I just don't know the answer to that question. I haven't thought about it. You um, haven't thought about it. it. Will you continue to prosecute un unlawful border crossings? Well, uh, this is, again, a, a question of allocation of resources. Um, um, we will, uh, uh, the department uh, will uh, uh, prevent unlawful um, uh, crossing. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I just don't know exactly what the conditions are and how this is uh, uh, done. I think if... Um, um, I don't know what the current program even is with respect well, uh, you don't, to this. Well, this boy, he doesn't really know a lot, does he? He doesn't really know a lot of what's what's going on at all. As a matter of fact, I have a supercut of him not knowing a lot. Senator, I I don't know anything really about the investigation. I don't know any, very much specifically about your two proposals. I don't know uh, specifically about those. But Senator, um, I don't know the specifics of the act. Um, I don't know the specifics of, of how the legislation would do that. I don't know uh, what uh, information the department has now. I don't know enough of the, about the facts of the example you're talking about. But I honestly don't know what happened with the nursing homes. I don't know. With respect to the Durham <laughs> investigation, I don't know anything about it other than uh, what has appeared in the media. Similarly with Mr. Durham, I don't know anything about uh, that investigation. No, I don't nothing. know uh, very no. much at all about 
the policy. I have read but don't know a lot about the solitary confinement issue. Again, I don't know the specifics, but I honestly just don't know. Um, I, I don't know that much about 230 except for the <laughs> case. I, I, I don't know the statute specifically, uh, the provisions that do that, but I, I don't know the statute, no. The State Department have an obligation uh, uh, to uh, to apply that law. I don't know what the guidelines are uh, that you're oh talking. Oh my God! Get him out of here, God! This boring fuck you. Uh, and then famously, uh, okay, so Rand Paul. Here's Rand Paul. This is another nominee. This was Doctor Rachel Levine. Of course, Doctor Levine is the transgender doctor. I think she was like Secretary of Health from Pennsylvania or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so Rand Paul decides to ask her about uh, what the thoughts are that the doctor has on giving puberty blockers to prepubescent children. Let's hear how this Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER, but you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, do you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are... Dozens and dozens of people have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. I can't thank, vote for thank, you if you can't Thank make you a so much, Senator Paul. Senator Levine, thank you for uh, answering the question. I will turn to... Okay, Senator let me stop. So this was... Yeah, so basically, you didn't get to hear from Levine here. Do I have another clip? Oh, yeah, here he's talking about, like, a set, the actual... And it's, the media went ballistic on this, by the way. Now, this is a person who is trying to become the Assistant Health and Human Services Secretary, right? And these questions are very much relevant and very much in bounds but the media was fucking horrified that the senator bothered to and god bless Rand paul and i disagree with Rand paul and plenty of other stuff but he's the only one out of everyone who has the fucking balls to fucking ask these tough questions and these choir questions it should be debated again they're not out of bounds these questions they're very much relevant and I saw the fucking media went ballistic that he even had the temerity to ask these questions, and they should very much be. And a lot of this science is open-ended. We don't know the effects of those puberty blockers and all kinds of other shit. Of course, all the transgender activists on Twitter went ballistic and started saying how safe it was to give a fucking uh, 12-year-old boy puberty blockers, which is a complete lie, by the way. Let's uh, hear that. Here he is uh, talking. They didn't like this one. He called transition surgery genital mutilation. Let's hear a little bit. Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. 
Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust... Okay, that, so you just cut off the video right there. Basically, it did a filibuster in that. And um, again, you know what? It, it is, it's, a, it's a complex topic. And I've said before, and I know I have transgender listeners. And, and if this is America, and although I personally disagree with it and would advise somebody to not do something that drastic and instead learn to live with yourself. As I've said a hundred times, you know what? Hey, if you want to wear a dress and think of yourself as a woman, fine. I would advise you not fucking cutting off your dick. That's just my own personal opinion. But this is America. And if you decide it's something you have to have after going through the appropriate psychological counseling and everything else, and you use your own money, fine. Th that Go do it. If, that, if you think that's going to make you happy. Uh, I don't think I, I don't want children to have anything to do with it, and I don't think taxpayer funds should be used for it either. That's just my personal opinion. You know, I'm the I'm the only fucking podcast host in the United States and probably the world who has the nuts to say that out loud, because the transgender lobby is fucking just they are vociferous in their attacks on people. Do I have any others? Um, I have that one. That one's kind of boring though. Oh, here, let's play. Here was uh, here was flying Ted Cruz. He went to CPAC. That's the Conservative Political Action Conference. You know the big uh, right wing, and all the kooks. And here's Ted Cruz went there, and he made a little waves with this with the the end of his speech where he screams freedom. A la Braveheart. Let's uh, hear this. These guys. are dark days, and the media tells us this is the new galactic empire forever and a thousand years. But already Joe Biden and the radicals in his administration, they are already overshooting. They are already going too far. Their policies don't work. They are disasters. They are bad. They are destroying jobs. They are stripping our freedom. And there is a natural pendulum to politics. And the country will come back to sanity. And mark my words, 2022 is going to be a fantastic election year. And so is 2024 as we stand together 
and defend liberty, defend the Constitution, defend the Bill of Rights of every American. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! <laughs> hey, drops. That was it. That was the end of his speech. Oh, boy. Oh, this is going to be great. And then finally, to finish the political roundup. Also, by the way, Ted Cruz did drop a Cancun joke. I don't have it on here. It wasn't that great of a joke. But the media fucking did not like that at all. And then finally, to wrap up the political roundup, let's hear from our president, Sleepy Joe Biden, kind of stumbling and bumbling around. He went to go visit um, Houston like 10 days after the storm, like when everything's long being repaired. But here he is uh, kind of losing his train of thought. Uh, I think he's getting on a plane. He told me last, he came in to see me last event. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me, Pinell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, Mayor Turner, Judge Hidalgo, uh, thank you all for welcoming us. And Jill and I wanted to visit Texas today for a couple of reasons. First and foremost. Okay, you heard it. There he goes. And he's, and, he's, and he's locked in on his notes and like staring at a screen. He, he, he's, he's not all there. He's not all there, guys. That's just the way it is. All right. There's your political roundup. Let's keep going. How much time do I have? Okay, I love this story. <laughs> Did you see this story? American diplomats in China complained they were forced to take an anal swab test for the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, no, dude. Uh, Beijing has since claimed the test, which is mandatory for incoming travelers in some parts of China, was given an error as diplomatic personnel were exempt. Remember, to collect test samples, the anal swab needs to be inserted about three to five centimeters into the rectum and rotated several times. And then you got to complete it twice. The Chinese capital began using this more frequently during the mass testing drive. And, uh, yeah... A U.S. source told Vice Media the State Department never agreed to this kind of testing. But it's kind of up in the air whether how many guys actually like had to go through this. But anal swabs have been used in China to test coronavirus since last year. And uh, yeah, that's fucking funny, dude. As a former State Department employee... I can promise you that knowing the demographic makeup of the State Department, there were probably fucking diplomats like lined up for the anal swab. You know, like like they're like, hey guys, we haven't started testing yet. Why are your pants around your ankles? That kind of that kind of demographic, if you know what I mean. They were probably like, um, excuse me, do you have a uh, something a little thicker? <laughs> it's like, sir, we don't need to go in more than two inches. You know, it's like, no, just go ahead, just just just. Just get it up there. It's fine. I don't feel anything. I kid. I'm joking. Calm down. I'm just telling you. I would not be surprised. Oh, boy. The State Department. Gotta love them. What else? I mentioned that there were three different vaccines now. But there's they're, they're coming into tears now. Like the, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are the preferred. And they're shunning some of the other ones. I got a story in Germany where they are shunning the new AstraZeneca vaccine. Many people are refusing to sign up for it because they fear it is less effective than the Pfizer or Moderna 
uh, vaccine. And uh, yeah, they said that people don't want it. And AstraZeneca is a German company. As one night nurse pointed out, the nurse, Michael Braden, said, quote, The point is, we have a German-made product that is the market leader, but we are not able to get it. End quote. And he sounds just like that, of course. You guys know all the impressions are spot on. But uh, yeah, they don't want the... German vaccine. I mean, of all fucking nationalities, I trust the Germans when it comes to like medicine and science more than anybody. I mean, their questionable fucking actions of roughly 70 years ago aside, you cannot deny that the German doctors and scientists are fucking ahead of the curve. All right, guys, how much time do I have? I'm starting to run out. Let's do a quick headlines. Tiger Woods is recovering from that car crash. He had to have a rod Put into his leg. Tiger Woods, 45 years old. His uh, right shin and calf bones basically exploded. They were left sticking through the skin. He's lucky to be alive. And I think he got a little celebrity treatment, not having to get like a uh, fucking drug test at the scene of the crime, if you know what I mean. Uh, three dead and two injured after a shooting at a New Orleans gun range. A gunman walked into the Jefferson gun outlet in uh, New Orleans before 3 p.m. and opened fire on two people inside. Customers inside the gun shop engaged the suspect, and he was then killed at the scene. So apparently he walked into the gun store with a loaded, unholstered gun before an argument started. Maybe he wasn't supposed to have the gun holstered or anything. This is a little bit of an older story. I don't have the update. Uh, let's see what else. How about a couple nursing home stories? An 87-year-old man is accused of raping a woman in an assisted living facility in Kentucky. Raymond Keown is accused of using both his genitals and a device hmm, to rape a woman at a nursing home. Both of them were residents there. She is incapable of consent. I mean, you know, okay, what do you do with this guy? He's probably fucking in dementia himself. You're going to throw him in gen pop? I, I'm, I'm seriously asking. I don't know what you do with, you know, he probably wasn't even all there. He probably thought it was like his wife from like 50 years ago. Uh, I don't know all the details of that, and I could be wrong. But I'm just saying, at the end of the line, what do you do with the guy? And then here is a much worse nursing home story. A nursing home employee has been arrested after police say he attempted to engage in a sex act with a resident. Police say... Tawadi Shekoya, 36 years old, was arrested after another employee walked in on Shekoya in the room of a 73-year-old woman with his pants down and his genitals exposed. Oh, boy. The employee walked in, did the right thing, fucking called the cops immediately. All right, what else? Where is this? Indiana. A There's a town in Indiana called Battleground, and here's the headline. Battleground man accused of asking teen to remove rubber band from his penis. <laughs> Terry Grant is the Terry Grant Jackson was watching porn, and when his penis became erect, he put a rubber band around it. Okay. They don't really explain why he put a rubber band around it, but I don't know, make it. It looks like a cock ring, I guess. 
So the rubber band apparently becomes stuck on his engorged penis. So then, old fucking Terry does what any adult would do, and he went to a teenager who was in the same house and asked the girl to remove the rubber band. Well, she refused, shockingly enough. Ah. And Terry Jackson said, okay, fine, I'll remove it to myself. Well, somebody uh, fucking narked on him, and he was arrested. Oh, and shockingly enough, he had previous felony convictions for sex crimes. (laughs) Oh, Terry, 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 Terry. Uh, One of you guys sent me this one right before the podcast. Indian man killed by his own rooster during a cockfight. Yeah, a rooster that had been fitted for a knife for an illegal cockfight has killed its owner in southern India. The bird's owner was impaled in the groin by the knife as the animal tried to escape. He died on the way to the hospital. You know, this is funny. Only on this podcast can I say this next sentence. This is not the first time I've covered a accidental cockfight murder. (laughs) It has happened before. Police say the animal was being ready to take part in a fight when it tried to escape. So its owner tries to catch it, but they had tied a three-inch knife onto the animal's leg, and the knife went right into the fucking dude's groin, and he bled out. Cockfighting was made illegal in India in 1960, but fights are still relatively common in rural areas. Oh, here we go. It doesn't have an... It's not the first time an owner has been killed by the rooster. Last year, a man died after he was hit in the neck by a blade attached to his rooster. That was probably the one I covered. Yep, there you go. What else here? Let's do a few uh, uh, school updates here. Here's a clip from This Was Making the Rounds of a... This is a teacher, and you're going to hear him talking. He's a history teacher, and he's discussing major events with his Generation Z students who are fucking dumb as rocks. And you'll hear him asking various questions. They have no fucking idea what he's talking about. Let's listen to this. Helen Keller is the Nazi guy. No! What Nazi guy? I don't know. He's like a terrorist. Helen Keller is a Nazi terrorist that is a male. Is that what you're telling me right now? Yeah, I'm going to write Helen Keller here. Yeah. Right? No. Are you thinking of Hitler? Who's Hitler? Is Hitler the... Who's Hitler? Who is Hitler? Helen Keller was the blind and deaf person who was fake. She didn't exist, but everyone believes she was deaf and blind. What? She was fake? Yeah, she was deaf and blind. What Pearl Harbor was, if I say Pearl Harbor? Is that a bridge? Dude. Do you know what D-Day is? Who? D-Day. A person? A rapper? <laughs> you are you being okay and this is not like a, i don't think this was a bit um but yeah pretty pretty sad other school news um boston public schools are now suspending their advanced program because officials were disturbed by the number of asian and white students yeah this is part of it this is who's running the schools you guys because none of you want to get involved with the schools can't say i blame you the schools are now run by these far-left, crazed, woke freaks. And this is all they care about. Race and gender. Race and gender. Race and gender. That's it. And genitals. That's it. That's all that matters now. It doesn't matter if you don't know what fucking Pearl Harbor and D-Day are. Are you up to date on the latest woke propaganda around race, gender, and genitals? That's all they fucking care about. So what if you can't do math? 
In this case, the Advanced Work Classes Program, which is an accelerated academic curriculum for students in the 4th through 6th grade, will be suspended after Boston Public Schools Superintendent Brenda Caselius recommended the school focus on, not math or reading, reforming its anti-racist policies. There you go. There you go. So 70% of the students in the program are white and Asian, while nearly 80% of all Boston public schools are Hispanic and black. So now you see the problem. And school committee member Lorna Rivera summed up their feelings on it when she said, quote, this is just not acceptable. I've never heard these statistics before, and I'm very disturbed by them, end quote. So is this racist? Well, no, because the program is open to all students in the school district who took a standardized test in the third grade earned a high score, and then won an open spot via lottery. So just be, yeah, you could you could take the test, get a high score, and still not get a slot. Because you have to, they don't have enough, so they have to do it by lottery only for the people who do well with high scores. And now, this is a part of a nationwide pattern that schools are eliminating these gifted programs because we all have to be equally stupid in their eyes because of woke reasons. That's really what they think. Similar to the, the U.S. military now demanding everybody be equally slow and weak, schools are now promoting the idea that every kid should be equally dumb. In New York City, a panel appointed by Mayor Bill de Blasio in 2019 recommended that schools end any merit-based admissions and gifted and talent programs because such programs are exclusionary. More recently, San Francisco education officials voted to end merit-based admission at one of the nation's most prestigious public schools, Lowell High School, and will be switching to a lottery-based system because, again, racism. Why can't you just admit it? Most, some kids are dumb. That's it. Nobody wants to say that out loud either. Some kids are dumb. Some kids are smart. Some kids are good at sports. Some kids can't do a fucking push-up. That's, this is, this, nobody wants to say this. There's differences, you guys. Some kids are dumb as shit when it comes to academics, but great with their hands, and they're going to go on to become millionaire plumbers. Nothing wrong with that. There's this fucking absurd notion that every kid needs to like be academically advanced, and it's just not the case. It's, it never was, and it never fucking will be. Uh, let's see. And then we had um, a... La Mesa, California, it's a suburb of here in San Diego. They're trying to still open the schools, and one of the board members, uh, they're saying, hey, we need to open these schools. And one of these uh, fucking woke trustees says, you know what? In-person learning is a very white supremacist ideology, and you should check your privilege. <laughs> we have to give the teachers, we have to give the students, the parents a date. Uh, what, at least we don't have to. We don't have to give anybody any date. <laughs> we don't have to do anything that we don't want to do right now. That's what you don't understand. I don't know where you're getting our information or who's telling you that we have to make a decision today. But that is not how this works. We do not. I know that you're new to the school board. I'm not saying this is a slight to you, but we do not have to make a decision today. Seventy to eighty percent of them have answered the survey. They want to come back to school. So this is what we're Who are the 70 to 80% and where are they? I would like to know geographically from which school sites, which language group, and how we conducted this feedback. Where? Please give it to me before I can make a decision. I can't make one. I cannot make one. And I will not make one. You're welcome to abstain, I, I believe, right? 
There's no reason to be nasty with me, Ms. Riley. And we can present it for vote. And Charlie, if you wish to vote no, you are more than welcome to, or you can- I know what I'm welcome to do, you guys, I do. And I know that what we're doing is wrong. So how are we forcing people? That seems like a very white supremacist ideology to force people to comply with, you know, and conform. <laughs> Just letting them privilege. Check it, you guys. Matt. So I don't want to be a part of forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do. That's what slavery. Okay, this she, that's what slavery is. She said. Yeah, you know what? This is a fucking joke out here. By far, the most kids affected by all these school closures are poor and minority students. So I don't know what the hell this that idiot's talking about. All right, quickly, starting to run out of time here. Let's do a few quick hits here. Uh, a mom who made $150,000 a month from OnlyFans says her Catholic school expelled her three sons because of her page. <laughs> okay, guys, I know you're going to Google it. This is Crystal Jackson, and she's at the Sacred Heart Parish School in California. This is in Sacramento. And she got kicked out uh, on the internet. Uh, where is her name here? Just looking here. God, come on. I mean, this is People Magazine. I don't have high expectations, but still, you'd think uh, they'd have that in the first quarter here. Um, let me see. Her, yeah, her name. Okay, Crystal Jackson. I know. Th I know this is important, you guys. So I want to get this right. She's on OnlyFans. She turned to the platform in September 2019 to try to spice up her marriage, and she started making fucking tons of tons of money. The first month she was on there, she made 114,000, and now they make 150 thousand dollars per month putting up fucking pictures of her underwear. Unbelievable! She's not even fucking nude. Yeah, good for her. I mean, she's not. I'm looking at her pictures. She's okay. She's not like super hot or anything. I can't believe People Magazine actually does not have her fucking name. Oh, well. Sorry, guys. I tried. Uh, you know what? You're honestly not missing anything, so let's just leave it at that. What else? I talked about France in the last couple weeks, how they don't want any more United States-style United States woke nonsense. They are going to try to ban confusion... Confusing gender-inclusive words under a new law proposed by uh, 60 members of parliament. That's right. They say that gender-inclusive nouns make learning proper French more difficult and could endanger the entire language. Good. They claim that gender-neutral words create a gap between the spoken language and written language. In a statement to the Telegraph... They said, quote, It is therefore the whole of French linguistic heritage which risks disappearing, end quote. Do the rules of grammar no longer exist, they went on to say? Yeah, they don't want any part of our, uh, of our craziness here. A well-known transgender YouTube star downloaded child sex abuse images while running a child care service. That's nice. A popular YouTuber named Candace Pinder, who vlogged about life as a transgender woman, downloaded child sex abuse image with her boyfriend. Candace allegedly saved 125 abuse images featuring boys as young as three or four being sexually abused. Ugh. 
They live in Utah, interestingly enough, one of the most conservative U.S. states. A gender reveal explosion device uh, went off and killed a man in upstate New York. Shout out to my uh, New York state police source who did uh, show me the pictures of the gory aftermath on the promise that I would not share them. But yeah, he was expecting his first child and a device they were preparing for a gender reveal party exploded in a garage in the Catskills in New York. 28-year-old Christopher Peckney died. Can we fucking be done with this stupid tradition now? I mean, how many more of these? Like, a guy died like a couple weeks ago, and then remember they, one of those gender reveal devices set off like a fire out here in California that burned like thousands of acres to the ground? Fucking enough already, dude. Nobody cares. Oh, on the fake hate crime front, we had that uh, student was not a victim of racism for eating while black at the 80000 a year Smith College and further made up details that ruined the lives of four campus workers and led to controversial anti-bias training that employees resigned over. I'm telling you guys, you don't think this is a big deal. This is destroying lives and these fake hate crimes. This is a new fucking religious cult and it's fucking got to stop. And this was by a student named Awamo Kanaute. And it apparently she's like some, her parents were African immigrants. So where did she learn? Where did she get where did she pick up this woke fucking ideology? A brand new immigrant to America, and she's already making up shit trying to get attention. So how is that possible? Where does that come from? Who's she learning it from? This is an all-women's college. Basically, she was in an empty cafeteria which was reserved for a summer school, a janitor who had been told, hey, if you see anybody eating in here, it's closed, and just let security know, and we'll go up to him and tell him, and it's no big deal. And the security guard went up there and said, hey, by the way, you're just not supposed to eat here. And that was it. Well, this fucking moron goes on Facebook and said, oh, I was in fear for my life, blah, 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 the usual crap. Yep. Made herself a big victim. And... Uh, it was all just bullshit. Shut down the school. Expel her. I, I don't know if she's been expelled or if she was allowed to graduate. She should have been. Uh, two skiers have now descended Yosemite's half dome in a first ever. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, they completed the descent in five hours and they skied down half dome, becoming the first skiers to do so. A Turkish man allegedly pushed his pregnant wife off a cliff after taking selfies with her. A lot of you guys sent me that one. Uh, a Miami doctor was charged with a hate crime and alleged attack on a Hispanic man. 58-year-old Dr. Jennifer Wright, an anesthesiologist, she got too close to a man who asked her in Spanish to keep her distance, and then uh, she called the victim a, quote, spick, end quote, and told him, quote, we should have gotten rid of you when we could, end quote. The woman punched him in the face and tried to smash his phone with her foot. Cops caught up to her. She's like a fucking educated woman. They're doing this nonsense. Uh, Mr. Potato Head dropped the mister, famously, sort of. Corporate America is really going crazy. Oreo Cookie, the company, tweeted out, trans people exist on Twitter. <laughs> Would you stop, please? Uh, Nobody cares, dude. Just make me fucking cookies, bro. And then, guys, uh, a couple others. um, Twitter 
is going to now try new product plans. Twitter's going to try making, uh, you can now charge for your sweet tweets. Maybe I'll try that. I'm not sure there's a market for it. And a man used a gay dating app to target a person he eventually killed in Houston. 29-year-old Ben Davis served two years in prison for choking a family member. And he opened an account on Grindr to find people to rob, sadly enough. And then finally, you guys, let's go to the big finish because I'm running out of time. How about this headline? Teacher's aid will not be charged for accidentally masturbating during an eighth grade Zoom class. Mark Shack has been put on leave after footage was shared online of him engaging in pleasuring himself at the end of a history class. Oh, even better, Shaq works with special education students at Shady Grove Middle School. No way! This is in Montgomery County where my mom used to teach. That's fucking funny. He's worked for Montgomery County Public Schools for 21 years. I wonder if she knows him. Oh, no. He told the Bethesda Magazine, I thought I was logged out when the class is over. I had no clue that Zoom was still on. So, so... So I guess teaching this class of fucking special ed kids got him so worked up, he had to immediately start jacking it as soon as it was done. But sadly for Mark, Zoom was still on. And unbelievably, no charges are being brought because the act, quote, did not rise to the level of an offense under Maryland law, end quote. Really? Oh, God, dude. Yeah, so basically, you see Shaq looking at his screen, and he then stands up and begins to fucking tug one out while his name remains as the host of the Zoom class. (laughs) Oh, by the way, he's also a children's performer, whatever that is. Oh, God. What is wrong? These people are all suspect. All of you. Children's performers, teachers, teacher's aides, priests. You're all fucking suspect. That's all I got for you guys, for the love of God. It's too much. Please follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual. Check out my Instagram at BK Actual. And please, guys, go to Patreon. Thank you so much for those who do. Keep the podcast going. Go to Patreon.com. Look for BK Actual. I'm fucking spent, you guys. I'm shattered. My worldview is done. The children's performers are jacking off on your Zoom calls. It's fucking, there's no hope. It's all over. I'm going outside. It's a beautiful day in San Diego. I will see you next week. Just like I'm Peter, gotta protect him. I made the call up, but just like I'm reffing. I know we left you, now we back together, but I guess that is better now. Later than never, like, uh, what's happening? I'ma need y'all quit asking when. Me and my wife gonna have some kids. Right now, we just practicing. Practicing. Teacher said, quit.